Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to have you with us here live on YouTube. And for those of us making us a part of your day on podcast, thanks so much for doing it. Great to have you with us. Andrew Patterson, along with the CTO, Michael Remus. Lots to unpack from last night's 4-3 OT loss to the Washington Capitals to kick off the road trip for the Winnipeg Jets. Practice has just finished up in Music City with some extra work for Captain Blake Wheeler. And we'll break it all down with Murata Tesh of The Athletic coming up in a few minutes on the program. Actually, we'll hit a few topics with Murat. Uh, obviously, last night's game, Cole Perfetti's first goal. We'll get to all of that with Remus coming up in just a second as well. Um, Murat also had a very interesting piece breaking down the value the Winnipeg Jets are getting from um, the respective contracts on the squad this year. And some pretty interesting results on that. We'll talk to Murad about uh, the methodology used, how he came up with it, and um, a little bit more about the results. And I guess in the aftermath of the uh, pissy incident in Edmonton between uh, Jim Matheson and Leon Dreisaitl, might be a great time to sort of revisit some of the things Murad had to say in his very interesting column, uh, what, a week or two ago, about the trials and tribulations of the media working with the National Hockey League in the world of uh, in the days of Zoom calls. So uh, all of that coming up with Murat a little bit later on. And then in the second hour of the program, we will continue to get ready for the biggest week, or maybe the best week of football all year in the National Football League. Matt Verderam from Fansided, a uh, great national writer on NFL topics, going to join us for uh, 15 or 20 kick around the uh, four divisional games coming up on Saturday and Sunday in the NFL and get his thoughts on uh, some of the vacancies around the league when it comes to coaching. Uh, of course, as always, to get things going, a big thank you to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen every day. F Apparel, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partner over at Cool Bet Canada. Let's get this going. A big shout out to everybody that's joining us in the chat. Nice to see Marshall Patterson popping in for a little bit of a live visit today with the boys. Great to see you. Uh, Paul, Rob, Jet Oil, Tom, Tikona Polly, Brown Eyed Girl, MJD, Patrolman, Pete, man. Great turnout early on in the program, uh, but uh, it's not a WST without Michael Remus. Get in here, dude. What's going on? Hey, I'm enjoying uh, talking to everyone in chat. Um, I'm not pissy for the record as much as, uh, everyone was speculating on that. And yeah, Stonewall Dave says, waiting sometimes for yes, not today. Stonewall Dave says, waiting for Remus to do literally anything so we can ask him, why are you being so pissy? And <laughs> if you're just tuning in the t pissy trending, uh, trending on, on Twitter for the last 24 hours is Jim Matheson asking Dreisaitl why he was being so pissy because he didn't want, he didn't want to throw his team under the bus. Dry settle, but we're not here to talk about Edmonton as much as. Uh, oh, I'm here for it, though. I'm as, here for it. We've yeah. got other things to talk about first, but we'll probably get to that at some point today. I'll certainly have yeah. some fun with it, Marana Tesh. It was wild, though. I mean, that happened sort of at the end of the program yesterday, and we threw that on and had a little laugh on it. But holy smokes, it did take a uh, take on a life of its own. Um, I'll often throw overdrive on as I'm uh, doing work after the program here. 
they must have played that clip four or five different times. I mean, every single guest they had on, let's reset the clip uh, between Dreisaitl uh, and, and Matheson. And of course, it led SportsCenter. And for any of you, I know there's uh, many of you hustlerites out there, as Dustin Nielsen likes to call them, that uh, now makes the TSN 1260 morning show part of your routine. Uh, a wild show today for the boys out in Edmonton. I mean, if there wasn't enough to get to already, this was just a little more gas on the fire of what's happening out in Edmonton. And then, of course, they had the draft of the uh, biggest mistakes that the Oilers have made in the last 30 years. Uh, we had a meeting this morning, so I haven't actually caught that. I'll check the podcast later on. Uh, but it was great to see you this morning live in person. We actually dined in one of my favorite spots around, Sal's. And you are, uh, my friend, looking uh, like a million U.S. tax-free. A brand-new haircut, fresh look today for Michael Remus, just ready to go. And uh, this is why it's good that we're on YouTube, because if this was just on podcasts, people wouldn't really be able to get the uh, the full impact of uh, of your new cut. Yeah, I got a new haircut. Shout out to uh, Ken, who uh, does been doing my hair my, my whole life. So uh, I'm here. Felt like, look, if I got a haircut, got a blow dry. Not gonna put the hat on as much as I like to, but I'll show it off here. Yeah, I, I haven't shaved though, so I don't know. It's been been too long for that, so maybe, maybe, uh, maybe tonight. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, people are saying is pissy uh, in the dictionary, and it is. It means angry, pissed off. It's slang, so uh, any sentence was acting pissy. Like I, I don't know. Did they just add that in the last twenty four hours? Well, uh, it's uh, it, it, it's just part of the vernacular now. I'll tell you that much, yeah. whether they like it or not. And maybe the funniest thing I saw, I can't remember if it was Dusty or Eric sent it over today, or maybe it was one of the responses to one of their tweets, but someone's already done a Photoshop of Leon Dreisaitl in the nice, you know, black turtleneck looking all sleek with a, a new cologne entitled Pissy. The smell, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, anyways, yeah, that's one of the good things. There's a lot of things the internet and social media is bad for. That sort of thing, though, the the funny stuff, uh, lots of it coming out of yesterday. Anyways, we'll uh, have some fun with that a little bit later on. Let's get to last night. A lot to unpack from last night's 4-3 overtime loss to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, some good and bad. The good, Cole Perfetti looking great with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor and scoring his first goal in the National Hockey League. The bad and ugly knee-on-knee hit from Dmitry Orlov to Nikolai Ehlers, which unfortunately, Remus, is going to keep Ehlers out for, at minimum, the remainder of the road trip. So, uh, I mean, obviously, we're going to get to the game. What happened on the ice to discuss the defense, Logan Stanley, Dylan Sandberg, and more, Cole Perfetti. But first and foremost, um, uh, not what the Winnipeg Jets wanted, just as they get Nikolai Ehlers back into the lineup after being on the COVID list and missing the game against Detroit. Um, uh, he's going to be out for the foreseeable future and uh, might be perfect timing to get Captain Blake Wheeler back into the lineup because that's a big, big hole up front without Nikolai Ehlers available. Yeah, he just came back uh, off the list and uh, was making an impact there last night. I mean, we know what the skill he brings. He can skate, uh, he can shoot. And, um, you know, I wasn't really sure about when initially the hit happened. You know, we've seen Ehlers... We know he does likes to, uh, to use a wrestling term. He likes to sell things uh, a little bit, and but on the replay, I mean, it was pretty clear Orlov stuck his knee out. I'm, it reminded me a lot of um, Neil Pionk's hit on Rasmus Sandin, but way more blatant than Pionk's. Pionk's was a total accident. This was intentional intent to injure, 
And um, he was a guy who was beat in the corner, and he stuck his knee on our kneelers, and it definitely did not look good. So, look, I thought Blake Wheeler was going to be out for the whole season and, like, need surgery. But uh, he skated today and was skating hard after practice. We'll get to that. So I thought, um, so we'll kind of wait and see. I mean, he's out for the road trip. Maybe he'll be out in, like, a month, four to six weeks. I think that would maybe be the hopefully best Hopefully one week. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I don't, I mean, I have no idea what it is, and they didn't say, they say he's getting looked at, but. Could he be out of wheel? Like, what would it be if he's going to be just like a bruise? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that he's for sure and has been ruled out for the rest of the trip is, you know, somewhat concerning. I, mean, I guess it's better than saying, hey, he's out for the season or out for a couple months. Um, they'll see how things go. But listen, I like you, and I think Ehlers, you know, sometimes gets a bit of a bad rap. And, you know, some of it maybe was brought on himself. I mean, I think we've all been, anyone that's been to a ton of games, there's been a number of times when Ehlers has been down and you've legitimately been concerned that maybe something really serious has happened. And, you know, he'll be back out a shift or two later. And I think we were all hoping that was the case last night. Uh, but once you saw the replay of what happened, I mean, in real time, it was difficult to see from a television perspective. I mean, that was an ugly knee-on-knee hit. And it's incredible that all four officials had nothing for it. I don't blame Dave Lowry for being hot under the collar afterwards that that wasn't a penalty. And, you know, again, better late than never, Orlov is going to get a hearing. But, you know, it's one of those things. Um, Does that really help the Winnipeg Jets? Not, no. Um, Nikolai Ehlers is going to be out of the lineup. And, you know, they played the Washington Capitals in their two matchups this season. So... You know, it, it will hurt their team going forward. But for the Winnipeg Jets, um, you know, there's no silver lining in this right now. Nikolai Ehlers is going to be out potentially for an extended period of time. And um, that is the last thing this hockey club needed right now is they were just trying to get all their players back in the lineup under Dave Lowry to, and get ready to play what we expect to be a very, very busy February. Could possibly have the schedule at some point this afternoon while we do the program. Yeah, we'll wait and see. And I was fully expecting uh, the NHL, you know, every time a Jet gets hurt from a legal hit, at least we saw last year, there was no hearing. Uh, there was a couple on Wheeler. I thought Brady Kachuk with the flying elbow, you know, it never gets looked at. But uh, I guess because, the, I don't know, there was an injury, but there's been injuries in the past. So the NHL, they're uh, giving Orlov a whole hearing. I mean, they just say hearing. I don't know if it's in person or whatever, but like I've, I saw Daily Faceoff tweeting out, how many games do you think this will be? I think Tim Peel gave his verdict of three games. I think three would be fair. Um, I think two. I think it's more intent than the... So if Peonk got two for his knee on Sandin, yes. and I think this one was a bit more intentional, I think three, four would be, would be fair. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what it is. Uh, you know, they'll probably come out with it, I'm guessing, tomorrow. We'll have the video. Or maybe they come out with it today. I mean, I have no idea. But um, I think three or four would seemingly be fair. Uh, yeah, as I said, I mean, it looks like Nikolai Ehlers is going to be out a minimum of three games. I mean, best case scenario is somehow he's able to go next week. But, um, you know, there's still, and we probably won't have clarity on that for a number of days. Um, you know, Dave Lowry's going to be speaking for the club. He's going to be focusing on the guys that are with him. Uh, I'm not sure whether Nikolai Ehlers will, you know, get travel back to Winnipeg on his own. Uh, if we do have audio available from the coach Dave Lowry post practice today, we'll have it for you a little later on in the program. So uh, that was the part that sucked about last night. Nikolai Ehlers getting hurt. Um, what was great though was uh, man that line of Perfetti, Kyle Connor, and Pierre Luc Dubois. And it started off, I and mean, what a hell of a start for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, Kyle Connor with that 
absolute laser into the top corner to get the team on the board. And uh, then a beautiful passing play with his new line mates, Cole Perfetti, all alone, makes absolutely no mistake. And uh, what a great moment it was for a guy that we all expect will get on the scoreboard plenty over the course of his NHL career to get number one in the books. That was awesome, and we were looking at his odds before the game. I saw a number of tweets from Jeff Kabilis and others saying, oh, I should have bet on that. It was like plus 330, uh, just over 3-1 to one for him to score. And, I mean, he's looked good the last couple of games. He's had chances playing with, you know, some incredible talents in Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And he could have had a couple after that one. I mean, he got the puck, he put it on net, boom. Uh, you know, first goal, and uh, I think the comments that Cole Perfetti had after the game has, um, you know, you're watching him. I mean, he looks like a kid talks about, you know, being like five when Ovechkin came into league. Thanks Cole. You're dating, you're dating everyone here, <laughs> but um, I mean, he's looked so good uh, playing with those guys. I mean, you look at the uh, Corsi four percentage, he's at the top of the list now at five on five, now limited minutes, only, you know, 13 minutes. He's not getting the power play time, but I think he's fit in with these guys. He played well. I think he's, you know, now with Ehlers out, he's probably going to get an extended look here um, and keep it going. I mean, he's making nice passes, getting the puck on. He hasn't looked out of place. Uh, it's been awesome. But here, Hus, before we move on, we got to play. We got to play Perfetti's. Uh, yeah, this is great. This is, uh, you know, obviously asked after the game about um, what it was like to score his first goal in the National Hockey League. Scoring your first goal in the NHL. And, um it was, uh, I don't actually know where I put it in the net. Like, I kind of blanked, and then it was all just a whirlwind. And then came back to the bench, and I actually looked at Doobie. I'm just like, I can't believe I just scored in the NHL. It was just uh, kind of surreal moment. Kind of all hit me when I got to the bench, and um, yeah, it's pretty special. All right, so there's Cole Perfetti remembering goal number one, uh, one that you'll, you'll never forget, um, and a huge part of last night's game. And, you know, Rebo has said, you know, disappointing that Ehlers wasn't there disappointing that the team wasn't able to grind an extra point out of uh, getting to overtime against a team that previously was zero and seven at three on three um but listen a big big point I mean it's the regulation losses that will kill you certainly better than you know a pretty good effort going for entirely not we'll get to what happened in the overtime uh, in, in a little bit but um hard to be a Jet fan, come away from that not incredibly excited about the way Cole Perfetti is looking as he continues to play with Dubois and Connor. And I'll um, tell you what, if things keep going the way this is right now, um, don't expect him anywhere else than on that spot for the uh, foreseeable future. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think he's fit in well. I mean, if you're playing fantasy, maybe uh, pick up, maybe pick up, go pick him up if you haven't. He's getting ice time. Uh, producing again, he could have had, I think, a, uh, at least one or two more. So those guys are looking good. I mean, everyone on that line last night scored, uh, Connor, uh, Dubois with the tying and Perfetti. So I think that's what you want to see. Maybe you'd like to see some more production from, uh, the bottom guys, but I mean, as far as starts go, I mean, they came out awesome, maybe fell back a bit, but, um, I think you have to rate the top line. Uh, that's is that the top line now? Like we can say because I'm seeing confusion online. Is it the Shifley line or is it the Dubois line? Which line is is the Jets? In, top in my line? in my opinion, it's the line with Kyle Connor and Pierre Luc Dubois. And mm -hmm. you know, with all due respect to Cole Perfetti, who's getting a chat right now, I mean, he's uh, a great addition to that, and I think he's making the line better. But it doesn't really matter where you put the rest of the pieces. 
If Dubois and Connor are playing together, that's my number one line. Um, now, again, you know, both of those lines are going to be playing a lot. But I think what we've seen, especially from a defensive uh, defensive standpoint, um, I think you feel safer with Pierre-Luc Dubois on the ice than you do Mark Shifley at times. Uh, and I guess, <laughs> speaking of Shifley, Reem, I mean, we should get to the way things ended in OT because it was very quick, 26 seconds into overtime. Uh, you know, with Nikolai Ehlers unavailable, uh, Dave Lowry went to Kyle Connor with Mark Shifley. And uh, unfortunately, uh, both of them had uh, nice views of Tom Wilson putting it in the net. Ironically, assisted by Dmitry Orlov, who probably should have been out of the game at that point, um, for uh, a disappointing and quick end to overtime. Uh, and a lot of people not really liking the uh, the defensive acumen by uh, a certain Jets center when it came to uh, came to the winning goal at uh, at three on three. Yeah, and well, first of all, I think the Jets, you know, getting to overtime, completely well-deserved. Uh, they played their ass off in the third. Um, I thought the, what, the third, the go-ahead goal by Washington, um, you know, off Schmidt skate and then off Hellebuck and in. I said if I was, that happened to me while playing like EA Sports NHL 22, like I would be chucking my controller <laughs> if, that, if that happened. I would be, I would be livid. So, uh, you know, they came back, they battled, they had some power plays at the, at the end, maybe a bit of a makeup call, I think, after the, uh, the non-call on the Ehlers play. Um, you know, Dubois hammers it in, you get to overtime, and that overtime, you know, I got all excited. I was like, all right, we're going to see some back and forth overtime <laughs> hockey. This is going to be so awesome. Well, they went back. There was back. Uh, there was no fourth. Uh, it was just one rush, Kuznetsov, Dangle Morrissey, wraparound, and as you said, Mark Shifley, great. View we've seen you know the controller disconnected memes uh, for Ovi on some back checks <laughs> in the past. I mean, um, row seat. Mark Shifley, the controller no, is not working. There were no strides taken by him in overtime uh, in the defensive zone, and you know he kind of glided in and didn't take the man in front. Kind of tried to intercept the pass, went through his skates. Uh, I mean, by Kuznetsov and Tom Wilson alone at the side pokes it in uh, off Hellebuck. So. I mean, that's a pretty disappointing boring way to lose. I mean, you don't even touch the puck in overtime, 24 seconds. I think you are happy about getting the two points, but it's like in, uh, in football where like the offense doesn't get to touch the puck uh, in an overtime almost. Yeah, exactly. Like, you just go up and they uh, just went down Tim, scored T the Tim Tebow throws a five-yarder to Demarius Thomas and he goes the distance and the game's yeah. over like that. You're like, wait a second. That's it? Um, yeah, it was an anticlimactic ending, but uh, listen, my takeaway from it was the, you know, getting that point and getting it to yeah. overtime. And, and I think for a team like the Jets, more often than not, with the talent they have and with the guy they have playing uh, in, in between the pipes on most nights in Connor Hellebuck, you know, against pretty much most of the teams, I think you're confident you've got at least a 50-50 chance of winning in the, in the, uh, in the three-on-three overtime or in a shootout. Um, but again, I mean, you kind of need to be a, a little more tenacious and a little bit more on it last night than the Winnipeg Jets were coming out of it. And it'll be interesting to see as we go forward as to how maybe the memories of what happened last night might, you know, affect how Dave Lowry decides to throw his players and his personnel when it comes to the three on three overtime. I know a lot of people were wondering about uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. Why weren't they out there? I mean, I have a feeling that would have been the plan if Nikolai Ehlers was available. Uh, but you know, with Ehlers being out, I think Kyle Connor goes with a guy in Shifley that he's played quite a bit. Um, and the thing that really, I think everyone's choked about Remus is 
uh, you know, with the way Perfetti was playing along with Dubois, you'd have to assume that those guys probably were going to be one of the next couple groups out. And it would have been interesting to see if uh, those two could have built on a very strong game they had through the first 60 in three-on-three overtime. That being said, it didn't happen. I mean, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, but I do think the way that they battled back and getting those points, every one of these points is so incredibly valuable right now. I've said for a long time, what will kill you is the regulation losses and, uh, you know, good on the Jets for, um, you know, despite the fact that they had that two goal lead and it evaporated over the course of the next 50 minutes of being in it at the end of the game and and a real solid push for the final five minutes to try to make sure that they salvage something out of the game. And uh, and they were able to do it, um, you know, with some pretty good play by Shifley and especially Adam Lowry setting up Pierre-Luc Dubois and what was the final 70 seconds of the game uh, to tie it up and and get it to overtime and manage to salvage at least one point out of the first game of the road trip. Yeah, I mean, you need that point. This is a big road trip. Um, so full credit to them, you know, battling. I, they didn't give up. Full, fully deserving of, of a point. And um, I mean, well done. Dubois, I mean, that's where he scored goals all season in the blue paint in the front of the net. Um, and Adam Lowry, you need that big, big body. Um, you know, he hasn't produced a ton of points, but We've seen him do plays like that before, a little one-toucher to Dubois in, in the net. Um, you know, Pionk with shot with shot as well. I mean, it was well executed um, in the last couple of minutes to get one uh, in the net. I mean, I'd like to see a better ending, but I think you get the point. Uh, you know, you're, you're good, and you can move on to Nashville, who lost yesterday, actually, I thought, to Vancouver, surprising enough. But, um, yeah, and not I if mean, you listen to the lock shop yesterday. Oh, really? I should have listened because I took one had Vancouver. I took another Nash- banger of a parlay in the Australian Open as well. But uh, let's not get distracted yeah. from uh, what we're talking about here. Yeah, so I should have listened to you guys. I took Nashville, the guys on DraftKings. But um, I mean, yeah, big is a great, great win. But what you have to see uh, moving forward, we did have some stuff from Jets practice today, actually. And uh, Marat just texted me. He's coming up. He's on his way home from the gym, Huss, so he might need a minute or two just to get settled. But he told me Wheeler was speaking. Now, we've been doing this. Oh, we've been waiting for this for a while. Listen, when we have Blake Wheeler available, we're going to be playing it. I've sort of mentioned all week. I mean, really, really interested to hear what um, the captain has to say in that um, we haven't heard from him since he was injured on the 10th of December. And of course, a week after that happened, it was um, Paul Maurice walking away from the mm. club. So, um, okay. you know, even though it's quite, uh, you know, a little bit of time removed from when that happened, um, certainly want to hear how he's doing. Um, and, you know, Mike McIntyre is at practice right now and tweeted out yeah. a number of pictures afterwards of Blake Wheeler doing uh, uh, plenty of extra skating afterwards to the point where he was down on one knee. Uh, then a little three-on-three game with some of the guys that weren't in the lineup last night. So, um, getting ready and listen with the uh, injury to Nikolai Ehlers, the sooner the better to get the captain yeah. back into the lineup. And uh, I have a feeling he's going to be, uh, uh, it, 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 I think he'll be a man on a mission when he finally gets back into the lineup after this long layoff yeah. with everything's happened around the club. So we'll get the thing, uh, you know, the hopefully the Jets posted, but Mike, Mike McIntyre doing a great job here. Here's a video of Wheeler doing some drills. He's playing some three on three. Uh, Blake Wheeler spoke, and here's the tweet. He said, on seeing Paul Maurice say goodbye on December 17th, quote, Wheeler, very disappointed in what happened. Shocking. It was a tough time for the whole team. We were stunned for a while. And I don't think that's a surprise based on um, the game that day against Washington. And then Wheeler continues. He's someone I will forever be grateful 
for my time with him. Unfortunately, we didn't accomplish the goals for the team we set together. Says the Winnipeg Jets are a different team today than eight years ago. That's a testament to Paul Maurice and his leadership. So I'm curious what else Wheeler had to say. But, um, I mean, you knew that they were close. They had a lot of great respect for each other. I mean, Paul Maurice was here for a long time, and we were kind of waiting, waiting for Wheeler just to, uh, you know, put the words out so we could read them or hear them. Yeah, yeah. speak to that, and hopefully we'll get that up uh, a little bit later on in the program. Um, a couple more tidbits from this just as it, it pertains to this road trip and where he's at right now. Wheeler said his chances of playing tomorrow night are unlikely. Uh, said he still has a few boxes he needs to check off before he can play, but says he's getting close. And uh, this is very similar to what you had to say, Remus, about watching Wheeler's injury. Wheeler said he initially thought his injury was going to be much more severe, and then he's counting his blessings that it wasn't. Another silver line he notes is nine postponed postponed games mm-hmm. has reduced the number that he will ultimately miss. So, uh, uh, you know, we'll just take his word for it and assume that he's not going to be in the lineup tomorrow night. Uh, that will mean, uh, you know, the Jets who are already undermanned, you know, missing Paul Stastny and Blake Wheeler and Evgeny Svechnikov will hopefully have at least one of those players be ready to move back into the lineup. And, uh, you know, of course, everyone will be on pins and needles to see what the status of 27 is uh, because it would really be unfortunate for the hockey club. You go through this period without Blake Wheeler, and as soon as he's ready to come back, you lose uh, you know, another one of your most important players up front in Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, so we'll wait and see what the lineup is like tomorrow. I'm just going through Mike's updates. And shout out to Mike. He's going to join us tomorrow from Nashville. He's got done a great job here letting us know what's going on with the team. Uh, he said, let's see, optional skate, no Dubois, Connor, Lowry. Cop, DeMello, Pionk, Dylan, or Comrie. And Dylan and Comrie were in the COVID uh, protocols. Um, no Ehlers, of course. And he said Dave Lowry was not on the ice, but he spoke after uh, Jamie Compon ran the practice with help. Lowry from... took the optional. He took, yeah, he took the optional too. Uh, <laughs> Flaherty's in town. He's in COVID protocol with uh, Comrie and Dylan, who I mentioned. And I see people asking about Stasny. No mention about Stasny, actually. So I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what his statuses so that's something to watch the next game but as you said Blake Wheeler seemingly well he went hard and did a nice three-on-three after the practice with uh, a couple of the guys who weren't in game action yesterday unlikely to play tomorrow yeah no doubt oh Chunky what's up did you miss Murat no you did not he'll be up in just a, uh, a couple minutes and I tell you what while we're waiting for Murat he was uh just been tossing some plates around at the gym. Uh, <laughs> we'll uh, give a big shout out to our friends over at F Apparel. Uh, of course, uh, Winnipeg owned the uh, fine purveyors of custom suits for men down at 190 Smith downtown. Uh, and not just uh, amazing suits, but a full line of custom clothing for any occasion, including dress shirts, winter jackets, casual chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and so much more. Hey, uh, every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at just $400. They're the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. If you have a big event coming up and you need to look great, F is here for you. And if you've got a wedding party or part of one, talk to Andrew and the gang down at F Apparel. They'll hook you and your group up with 15% off when the group buys their suits from us. They're down at 190 Smith Street downtown. You can make an appointment at F. That's E-P-H-F-Apparel.com. Uh, um, big, busy, busy month at Vita Health. 
for the month of January. A lot of people working on New Year's resolutions or maybe just starting the year on a little bit more of a healthy track. If you're uh, spending time with a sober January, uh, incredible non-alcoholic beer, including sober carpet, sober carpenter and more uh, mocktails, but real, real botanicals and more all available over at Vita Health Fresh Market. And if you are trying maybe to get into a bit more of a vegan routine, um, Vita Health carries so many great plant-based and vegan products, including Tofurky, Field Roast, Guardian, The Very Good Butchers, Light Life, Beyond Meat, and more. You can join Vita's exclusive VIP list. Text Vita VIP to 1-877-630-1970 to receive special offers all year long. And you'll also be entered to win a $100 Vita Health gift card. Again, 1-877-630-1970. Text Vita VIP. Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And uh, of course, the Culligan Folks, uh, another great group of uh, sponsors of ours have been the go-to people for water services for you and your family for 65 years here in Manitoba. Another great family-owned local business. The uh, folks over at Culligan Water have it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, and whole home systems. Drinking water systems, not to mention city-wide water delivery services. And if you or your business has water needs, give them a call at 694-5180 as they've got commercial and industrial water products and solutions for businesses of all sizes. Culligan Water, 1200 Sargent, 694-5180 and find out more on all the services Keenan and the gang have over at drinkculligan.com. Um, we are going to, um, do a remote. So uh, listen, we just got in here. I'm just noticing, uh, do we have these postponed games as, uh, as the schedule oh, come out? No, sorry. We don't have the schedule, but I was going to say, um, we're waiting for Murad. He texts me. He's, he's home. So he's getting yeah, set up. Yeah, it's all good. He'll be here. But in a no, we're still waiting on the rescheduled games, but you and I were talking before the show. What they sent a letter to season ticket holders, uh, for 250 people for the, but for the games yes, next week, yes, I've I, got it right here. If you'd like mm-hmm. to uh, like to see it, people kind of wondering what's happening with these games next weekend. Uh, no changes to the health orders as we were expecting. So um, we've got two games next week and there's a maximum of 250 people. Um, so this is basically good information for all season ticket holders. If you haven't checked your email or whatever, this is essentially what's going on. Um Maximum of 250 fans are going to be permitted to uh, to to be at these games. Um, so everyone in their Winnipeg Jets account will be uh, adjusted to remove these games from the account, and uh, you will uh, get you know get the credit back for those games. Uh, that being said, as most people won't be able to, they will have 250 people. So there's going to be 125 randomly selected season seat holders will be provided an opportunity to purchase two tickets to the game. Uh, There was a survey. uh, The tickets are sold in pairs. They're going to be spread out on the west side of Canada Life Center. Um, They'll be sold at the season ticket holder package price based on the available sections, ranging from 108 to 174 per seat. Uh, They're non-transferable and not eligible for resale. So uh, essentially, if you want to go, you uh well 125 lucky folks uh that put in that they would like to get t- uh, tickets 
will be able to do that. And uh, I don't know, that'll be bizarre, Remus, having just 250 people in the game on Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, I did put in for a pair. We'll see whether we get them and uh, would be kind of a weird experience. But uh, I'll tell you what, I'd far rather be in a situation where everyone's getting their tickets and everyone's using their tickets as opposed to having 125 pairs. But uh, fingers crossed, maybe that will be loosened up and we'll see some changes in that in the month of February. It's going to be so bizarre to watch on TV. And I will be I'll be at one of those at the Vancouver game I'll be at. And I'm looking forward to getting a really close parking spot, as I said. (laughs) Being able to enter the building easily, uh, no traffic on the way home. A lot of pauses, but I mean, some I spoke to another season ticket holder yesterday who said he he opted to defer, and he's like, you know what, I don't want to go to a game with no crowd. That sounds terrible. And it's not like these are um, huge draws of teams. Like, no offense to Vancouver. Well, Florida. Well, Florida. I mean, tell you Florida what, is. I want to be there for that. And I mean, yeah, tell Florida you what, I'm there for the Florida Canuck is. game, too. Um, anyways... Uh, you know, just if you haven't checked, if you do yeah. have season tickets and you haven't checked your email, check it out. There's an update on it. There's a little survey. And if you would like to put your name in the hat to have one of 125 pairs for the games, uh, go for it. Uh, I will keep you update updated as to uh, yeah. whether I was a lucky winner. And uh, we'll see what happens cool. going the next little while. I know we got Marat waiting in the green room here. Before we bring him on, uh, shout out to Tom Brady's trophy case who says the, the lineup for the can will be awesome with only 250. I I would agree. I think that is another benefit as well. No lineups. Uh, I don't know. Like, are they going to have concessions for for that? Do they bring the full style? Like, how is that going to work? I'm so I'm so curious. How, so I hope you win. There will be. Well, it's just going to be on the west side. So I'd yeah. imagine they'll probably have one concession open, maybe two concessions oh, open. So It'll be still... eerie. It'll be a little bit like a ghost town. But I'll tell you what. There'll be two important games for the Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm taken on Vancouver and Florida next week. And of course we'll be all over that before then though, three more games on the road, Nashville on Thursday and then Pittsburgh and Boston and back-to-back matinees on Saturday and Sunday. And unfortunately they'll be doing it without Nikolai Ehlers. So much to get to with Marat Atesh of the athletic who uh, looks like is uh, back from the gym and ready to go with us on WST. A uh, good day, my friend. How are you? <laughs> doing quite well that's how you do it how are things you know what i'm doing well it was great to have a game last night pretty exciting game lots to uh, lots to be excited about on one hand and uh you know uh, certainly some uh, unfortunate things coming out of last night's game in particular the injury to nikolai ehlers i mean let's just start off with that i mean what a uh, an unfortunate you know listen and i said this earlier on i mean i think ehlers there's been a number of times where he's gone down and i think fans have been really concerned that maybe something really serious that had happened. And then more often than not, he's right back out there. If that wasn't the case last night, when you went back and had the benefit of replay and saw the knee on knee check by Dmitry Orlov, incredibly dangerous and uh, frankly, not surprising that he's not going to be available to the team for at minimum, the rest of this road trip. But how did you see it, Marat? Yeah. You know what? On first glance, my impression was that it was a dangerous knee on knee hit. Um, you, you, I agree with you. You see Nick Ehlers go down from time to time. He'll block his shot. Something will happen and he'll get back up in time. You know, he'll express the pain. He'll go down. He'll get up in this situation. You know, I thought Dmitry Orlov had enough time to get out of the way of that hit. I don't think he started out thinking that he was going to go knee to knee with Nick Ehlers. I don't think it was malicious from the moment that the play started, but Ehlers gets rid of the puck and there's, you know, a beat and a half there where he can sort of dodge out. Instead, he leans in shoulder and knee first gets knee on knee unpenalized, unfortunate, and really for Nick Ehlers, who's 
you know, at any given time over the last couple of seasons, he's flirted with being the most dangerous Jets player, especially last season, I would say. I don't think he's hit that level yet, but he's been one of so many contributing offensive players to the Winnipeg Jets team. And whatever opportunity he has to join Kyle Connor, you know, having just an elite offensive season is taken away from him for a play that really didn't need to happen. And that causes a whole Winnipeg's lineup. Blake Wheeler still kind of on his way back. Paul Stastny a possibility. Cole Perfetti in the lineup for now. And you know what? I think probably for a little while now with the opportunity opening up as well. Uh, you just don't like to see Nick Ehlers go down because Winnipeg's outside of the playoffs and you need everybody firing to push back in. Well, you, you absolutely do. Um, and, you know, as I said, you know, it's you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. The good news is the captain's going to be uh, ready to come back. You would think if it's not on the Thursday game, and he said it would be unlikely he thought that he played tomorrow, um, you know, potentially on the weekend. But at the same time, when you're taking Nikolai Ehlers out of the lineup, it's not like you're better than where you started. And, uh, you know, this is a team that's sort of been getting by right now, going through a real tough portion not necessarily of the schedule with all the postponed games. Uh, and maybe been, it's been a blessing with injuries like that's happened to Wheeler and the COVID list that's been growing over the past couple of weeks that so many games have been missed. That being said, Marat, that's not going to be the case coming up next month. And we could even, while we're on the air today, have some sort of clarity about what the schedule looks like. But I think we can all safely assume it's going to be busy really right from the Monday coming out of that all-star weekend in Vegas for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, we know that we'll get that answer soon. And even from here, like you say, we know the game density is going to be high. It's going to be more like last season where they were playing roughly once every other night, ever so slightly more often than that uh, most teams were doing last season than what we've been made to kind of go through game and then a week and then a game so far this year. So, you know, whereas Blake Wheeler was able to miss more than a month and will continue to miss a little bit of time, it looks like, and not miss a ton of games. Well, you can't say the same thing for Nick Ehlers. And with Winnipeg's top line essentially being Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois, whoever they're playing with, now Cole Perfetti, look at that, look at how much chemistry they're developing. You've been able to I don't want to say hide because they're too good and they make themselves known too often. But Mark Scheifele has been able to play a secondary role, which is a strange and crazy thing to say. Nick Ehlers has been able to play a secondary role. Um, you know, Andrew Cobb, Paul Stastny, whoever's going to rotate into that spot. Well, suddenly without Ehlers, everybody becomes all the more important. You're staring down the barrel of uh, an intense string of games you know, many of them will be home games, but you know the density is going to be quite intense. Winnipeg is going to need more than 12 forwards and six defensemen to get through that. And every single one of those games is going to be high stakes. I mean, it's one thing to have games in hand. It's another to actually do something with them and make the push for playoff contention. That should be the story of this season. I know they've gone through a coach. There's been injuries. COVID interrupts so many different things. But this is an upgraded Winnipeg Jets team heading into the season. Every conversation we had, it's about the retool defense. It's about the higher expectations. And those expectations are still real, and they still exist for this Jets team. That's what this push is going to be all about. And, oh, boy, the drama come February. Well, on a positive note, speaking of uh, up front in the top six, you mentioned Dubois and Connor for the last couple of weeks. They've been practicing with Cole Perfetti, had a chance to play last Thursday. Um, and, you know, with some really great chances, yesterday was the night that uh, he finally got on the scoreboard. I'm sure you were tweeting like a proud father at time. He wasn't getting thrown off the rock last night, was he, Marat? Um, Special moment for Perfetti, and uh, tell you what, this kid doesn't look out of place at all. And with each and every game, especially playing with guys like Dubois and Connor, we're seeing glimpses of uh, 
some incredible talent um, for the Jets to enjoy for the future. Well, I'll tell you what, Huss. I absolutely threw him off the off Pride Rock last night. I've been saving that tweet for almost a year since I messed up about it in the AHL last February. Um, it's about time we had the NHL moment. And uh, and what a beauty. It, what an absolute beauty it was. I mean, not only does he finish top shelf on a two-on-one Pierre Luc Dubois sets him up with that gorgeous pass, but it's the culmination of a nearly perfect play where four out of five Jet skaters do something great. Uh, on the play and you can rewind it and yeah I guess I do sound like proud I don't know I you know nerdy hockey players I don't know what it is I've had so many good conversations with the guy I I guess I'm starting to pull for him I gotta watch that ratchet kind of deal but that play starts with a heady Cole Perfetti play in the defensive zone he gets the puck on the right wing wall in the defensive zone he reads one line of pressure is peeling off of him he sees another line of pressure he reverses it to Logan Stanley it's not the best pass in the world cuz Stanley's got to take it on his backhand but he has time and space Logan Stanley boom rockets it up the ice and at the moment Logan Stanley picks up that puck like if you can get a clip of that freeze frame you have two Washington Capital four checkers approaching the the goal line with that tremendous amount of pressure. F3 is in the slot. There's a tremendous amount of up ice pressure from the Washington Capitals team on that play. Winnipeg has read that. I asked Dave Lowry about it in the post game. Well, there's a pre-scout component to this goal because with that amount of pressure, what Winnipeg recognizes is there's going to be a ton of space between the Capitals forwards and their defense. That's why when Cole Perfetti reverses to Stanley, he bolts the zone to join Kyle Connor, who's way up high already, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's way up high already, because there's space there. So Logan Stanley makes that great pass. Connor eats his check, makes his one-touch play to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Boom, you have the two-on-one. You have a crisp pass. You have a top-shelf snipe. You have the fist against the glass and then Perfetti on the bench saying he doesn't even remember where he scored or how he did it. He can't believe he scored a goal in the NHL. But that is a complete team goal, doing something the coaches would have asked that reads the land as it was, makes a quick decision. Everything about that play is celebration-worthy. And then you add that it's a player's first NHL goal. That's a great play. Well, a, a great play. I mean, great news for the Winnipeg Jets because, uh, you know, listen, I know a lot of fans have been saying, hey, you know, listen, I get it. You, you got exciting young prospects. You want to see them uh, playing. Sometimes that timeline might be different than management or coaches. Um, but the bottom line right now, Marat, especially with what's now happened to Nikolai Ehlers, the Winnipeg Jets need Cole Perfetti. They need someone to play in that top six on that line and be able to be productive and gel with Dubois and Connor and, uh, He's certainly uh, he's certainly making a statement that he is that guy for uh, certainly the short term and potentially the long term. Yeah, well, you look at the kind of chances that he gets, right? We're we're at a point where incrementally game by game, you can see improvement. So last night, it wasn't just the goal, but you see that pass for Pierre-Luc Dubois that Dubois puts off the post. You see opportunities where he finds inseams into dangerous places and you you can watch this guy in real time learning what NHL speed looks like. Because in the minors, at the AHL speed, he can hold the puck on his stick, wait out a defense, find a seam nobody else saw. He's controlling the pace of the game. At the NHL level, he can't quite do that, but he can still read it so well that he's putting the puck into dangerous places. And game over game, we're finding that chemistry. You put him with good players like Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kyle Connor, and play him meaningful minutes with guys who can make those same reads and who are like dynamic, dynamic players. Winnipeg's two most dangerous players right now. I mean, good things are going to happen. And the more that you see that chance creation from Cole 
Cole Perfetti, pardon me, um, the, the more you can bank on repetition. That wasn't some fluke play that happened against the flow of play. They're learning to control things. They're figuring out the timing. And I think the more that you see Perfetti make quick decisions, put those pucks in the seams, use his teammates and, and take those shots, um, as opposed to maybe holding on to the puck for an extra second like he'd be able to do in the AHL, the even more dangerous he is, he's going to get. So, you know, forget about the Olympics for a second. Like, forget about that path. Winnipeg needs this player. The best thing they could do is say, look, forget about the Olympics. Forget about 10 games. We're going to keep him and we're going to use him and get the best out of him right here, right now, which will also help next year and the year after that. Or like I've seen on Twitter, the Connor Hellebuck window. Yeah, it, no, no doubt about it. Murata Tesh of The Athletic with us um, talking about the Jets 4-3 OT loss last night. Um, so the Perfetti was the good We'll get to the defense in a minute. The unfortunate was the injury to Nikolai Ehlers. Um, but, you know, when you look at the game last night, and, you know, I know there's been some comments about Mark Shifley having the front row seat for the OT winner. Um, you know, he did have two points in the game. He was in on the first goal in the power play. Um, he, along with Adam Lowry, set up that very important tying goal from Pierre-Luc Dubois. But I have to ask you, um, I mean, Shifley's been so productive for so long. We've gushed about what Nikolai Ehlers has done. The numbers will tell you that he's one of the most impactful players on the team. And they at times have had some big games, especially with Paul Stastny against St. Louis. But I have to wonder what your thoughts on why that connection between Ehlers and Shifley hasn't seemingly clicked more consistently now that, you know, it's not the first time they played together before Murad. And, you know, they have tried this before and at times has been some great results, but I think they still, uh, you still sometimes are left wondering why it hasn't been more effective more often. Yeah, once upon a time, it was extremely effective. The year 2018-19, heading into that St. Louis first round loss, you saw Ehlers, Wheeler, and Shifley outscore opposition by something like 16 to 9 in a, a stretch of five, five on five minutes while controlling the flow of play. Not quite that amazingly, but it was a very good line. And they were scoring what I would call a, like a reliance on highlight reel goals, seam passes, a lot of pretty stuff. And, and they were having all kinds of success. And then you see them move away from that, that, that trio. Kyle Connor was the go-to guy there for so long. And I've always thought that the difference between Shifley's preference for Connor, which I'm interpreting, I've never heard him say that out loud. Like I would prefer to play with Kyle Connor over Nikolai Ehlers, but there's a, there's a predictability in timing to Kyle Connor that I don't think that Nick Ehlers provides where Connor will dart into space in the middle at times that I believe Mark Shifley is expecting that. And for a guy that's so cerebral as Shifley is, and he's one of those guys, you know, I talk about at the AHL level, Cole Perfetti can control time and space. Well, Mark Shifley can do that at the NHL level offensively. I think the kinds of reads that he likes to make and the kinds of timing and support that he likes to have with players timing their cuts into the middle um, rely on a quick strike player like Kyle Connor a little bit more than Nick Ehlers, who seems like he likes to have the puck on his stick for longer stretches of time as well. So I feel like who's driving that has yet to be sorted out, who's giving, who's going, all that sort of stuff. At the same time, they do produce from time to time as well. Um, I'm not at a point of emergency with those guys. I just, I recognize what you recognize. He's not going off. They're not going off night in, night out uh, and dominating games like you might hope for for players with those kinds of skills. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, just based on the way the lines were going into last night's game with a rookie with like six games under his belt playing with Dubois and Connor and having Ehlers and Shifley together with a very 
productive Andrew Kopp, on paper, the toss-up, I mean, I don't know what you'd call the number one line. When you watch the game, it's pretty clear who the number one line is right now, and it's not the one with Ehlers and Shifley. Yeah, exactly right. For me, I always define number one line by who plays the most, and so that can be Shifley a lot of the time. It's not who's the best, though, right now. Connor Dubois and whoever they play with right now, Cole Perfetti. I mean, that's Winnipeg's most dominant, productive, impressive number one line in all you know for all intents and purposes. And I think as much as I guess a second ago I said it's not an emergency for me. Well, I mean, Mark Shifley's meant to be one of the most premier offensive players on the planet. Nick Ehlers can be that at times too. So you want that. And there, there have been times this season where, whether it was Paul Stastny playing that defensive conscience on that line, uh, Andrew Kopp does that very well as well. Um, but I think Stastny has been even better defensively this year than Kopp, which is amazing to me. Um, uh, you, you've sort of been able to find roles for everybody and you, you've seen them push. I still can't figure out why we're not seeing more five-on-five excellence from Mark Shifley offensively. Um, but how do I say this? I think I've seen enough glimpses of good that I'm not worried that we're going to go a long stretch without him producing in that same sort of layers. And unfortunately, uh, he's going to have to do it without Ehlers as his running mate. Yeah. And you know what? I'll say this. I mean, he has, you could make the argument that a small sample size in some of these games, he's been a little snake bit. It's not like chances haven't been there. And, and you know what? I think back to that play, and I believe they were up 2 nothing in the first period when this happened. I mean, they got a great turnover inside the other end. Uh, I believe it was caught, put it in, and Shifley deflected it right off the post. It was very nearly in. And I have a feeling Dave Lowry was sitting on the bench looking at Nikolai Ehlers about four feet away uh, with no one in front of him going, this is what I've been talking about. Just go to the net. I mean, just being a little bit more aggressive with the nose for it probably turns into a 3 nothing lead. And um, like everything, I think that's why the coach has been banging the drum on this message because as we saw with the tying goal, um, you know, a lot of them aren't that pretty, but it happens when you aggressively take it to the net and, uh, you know, and, and earn it. And, you know, that's what they had to doing, but there was a few other opportunities. And listen, I'm not sure whether you'll ever teach Nikolai Ehlers to have the instincts to be, uh, you know, bulldozing his way right into the blue paint. But uh, it certainly is something that Dave Lowry's mentioned, and we have seen some benefits at times and some missed opportunities as well by that same token. Well, I, I mean, I hate to do this horrible thing that you see outside media do sometimes, but I saw an infographic, I think it was Megan Cheka's, you know, athletes that put this together, and it was about Austin Matthews, and we know he scores a ton of goals, and the question was, where does he get them from? It's still within 10 feet of the net. It's still right in those dangerous areas, and it's just a matter of how he gets there and those chances that you you create. So even somebody who has that plus shot, who's thought of as one of the, the game's absolute best players, is going to those spaces to get those goals. That continues to be an important lesson for all scorers. You know, in Ehlers' case, on that play, you know, a beat too late, you see him dive for that puck, though, right? This is I, I think we're thinking of the same play. Shifley puts it off the post, and Ehlers is just too late, and he's diving. Well, if he's a second earlier and his feet are planted, he doesn't have to dive or anything like that. He can just bat that in, I think, though... As I talk to you now, I don't remember his route through the zone to that moment. All I know is he arrived at that moment a, a second late. So I agree with you. I don't, I don't think he's going to be a guy that parks there, but maybe there's some room for a learning of the timing about when to get there just at that right time to bury a play like that. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time talking uh, about how things are going to look up front and it'll be interesting following, you know, certainly going into tomorrow's game and maybe more interestingly the weekend, uh, assuming that Blake Wheeler is ready to return uh, at some point, whether it's against Pitts, uh, Pittsburgh or against Boston. 
Um, but let's talk about the blue line for a minute. And I spoke yesterday going into this road trip that with the performance of Dylan Sandberg in the uh, Detroit game, the fact that he was back playing with Neil Pionk in last night's um, last night's lineup, um, you know, even though other players were available to go in, it was a big opportunity for Sandberg, um, but also said that this was definitely a time that Logan Stanley getting back into the lineup was going to need to play some of his best hockey because um, you can see the writing on the wall. There are other guys challenging for spots, and I don't think there's any doubt that in the hierarchy of the Jet defense, he's the number six guy. Um, what did you make of Stanley's game last night? And, you know, Sandberg as well, albeit he only played 10 minutes in last night's game. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the good with Logan Stanley. It'll just be an echoing of, of you know, the previous discussion about Perfetti's goal. For a big guy, for a guy that is known for being 6'7", the size that he is, I think the stereotype people expect is, you know, Chara number two, uh, he's going to win all the battles, he's going to bully people, all that sort of stuff. And he does win a reasonable amount of battles, but he's not that guy that's just full of anger and rage and Chris prongering guys out of the crease. He sometimes loses those, misses sticks tied up, um, those sorts of things. But what he does do well from time to time is move the puck up ice. And on that play to Kyle Connor that led to Pierre-Luc Dubois, that led to Cole Perfetti's first NHL goal, Logan Stanley was heads up. He found the pass. He made the pass. Everything worked well. Um, and I think that was an important play for him because his last games before the, his pause was, you know, you, you saw a couple of giveaways up the middle of the ice as well. And I think when Logan Stanley is playing well, he'll make a breakout pass and he'll make an outlet pass and he'll jump into the play in a way that you might not expect for a six foot seven defenseman. And you're just looking for him to get into lanes and shoot from a little bit closer than the blue line and look for, you know, those incisive plays. And I think that's the next level for him to get to. Um, the issue that I think that uh, came up a couple of times last night is just D-zone coverage and the reads that he makes. And, you know, on Ovechkin's goal, maybe you want to pin that on Schmidt for following his man too far into a different lane. But Logan Stanley is also on scene and there's an awfully important player left all alone in what looked to me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong out there, but it looked to me like 1v1 coverage where it's essentially a two-on-two -two and the guys get turned around and Ovechkin's wide open. I know he is awfully good at that. He scores, he scored a few goals in the NHL, but I, I think that that's the sort of play that you'd like to see come out of St Stanley's game. And you you see him just a step behind or a step on the wrong read defensively from time to time. Even when he gets to that slot, I want that player to win you know, an inordinate amount of his battles and he's sort of in that 50-50 range. I could say the same thing about veterans like Brendan Dillon, who I thought was going to like absolutely clean up. I think he still has more to show and will show that as well. So for me, Logan Stanley, there's some good to his game. There's some struggles. I agree with you. He's clearly the number six. And the most important takeaway for me, I wrote about that earlier this week in the salary cap efficiency, how well does Winnipeg spend its money piece, is that you know, for the price that Winnipeg pays for him, he's doing just fine. He's like, as a number six defenseman, he's doing just fine. The issue is is in, you know, tricking ourselves into thinking that he's a top four defenseman in waiting or something like that. At a time when Winnipeg does have top four defensemen in waiting named Dylan Sandberg and Ville Hainala, in that number six position, there are other players who deliver quality that would warrant the number of games played that we've seen Logan Stanley as well. And, you know, I, I understand the size argument, why you might be drawn to a player like that, but he's not delivering such value this season for that spot in the roster chain that a Hainala, a Sandberg should absolutely not be an option if Winnipeg gets back mm -hmm. to full health with its top six. Yeah, I, I mean, just speaking on that for a minute, um, 
you know, I, I have to admit, I mean, there's a couple times last night where I mentioned the guys that I was, you know, watching the game with that, I mean, at times puck management, just simple decision-making seems to be, you know, it can be an Achilles heel for the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, we can talk about size and we can talk about grit and all those things. The one thing that Vili Hainala, amongst all of the defensemen, and I would include plenty of guys that are regulars on long-term deals, is that his poise, his de- his decision making, and his his ability to make the right play at the right time, um, I think is something that the Winnipeg Jets could really use. And it was fascinating to see the way things worked with the COVID list. That it was of all people, Sandberg and then Declan Chisholm over Hainala and Johnny Kovacevic, who both probably would have been you know on that list to come in and do what he did last week against Detroit. Um, all that being said, though, Marat, I think it, as much as Dylan Sandberg has certainly acquitted himself well, if there's a guy that I think the Winnipeg Jets would be, um, you know, well advised to give an opportunity to see how he fits in, it's Billy Hanela right now. And I think that time might be, um, well, coming up very soon. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Dylan Sandberg, we can speak to the season he's had and, and the promise that he has. Well, it starts off with an injury. It takes a little bit of time to get going. And then he does get going. He does start to control the flow of play at the AHL level and has been very good. Meanwhile, Ville Hainala, you know, by by our Dom Luschician's game score, and I saw him do a, a collab with Jacob Stoller the other day where Jacob Stoller was posting stats based on game score. Well, Ville Hainala has been one of the best defensemen in the AHL this season. And that's the sort of player that Winnipeg could benefit from because the way he does it is through puck management and puck movement and making reads and making plays. And so much of what Manitoba does runs through Hainala. The amount of touches he get, gets on a shift is inordinate. The amount of plays that run through him is, is really quite incredible. And I think that that kind of puck movement would certainly help, especially given Winnipeg's trying to play fast. There's a coaching emphasis on, you know, on a variety of breakouts, on quick decisions, on making those passes. Well, Villa Hainala, Hainala is excellent at that. I look at defense sometimes, um, and I'm curious to know what you think about this, as twofold. One is the defense that happens in defensive positions that, you know, what we think of as defending one-on-one battles, hits, checks, getting the puck, box outs, all that sort of stuff. And I also think of it as not needing to defend. That play that you make that moves the puck up ice that doesn't look like defense because it's not a hit or a check or anything like that, but it puts the puck into a good space and it keeps it far away from your net and it gives you an opportunity to do good things with it. Um, that's the kind of defense that Villahanola plays. And you will grant that he will lose one-on-one battles from time to time. There's no way, despite how you know mean he is for a guy that's his size, there's no way he's going to win a battle against the six foot seven players consistently in front of his net. But if he's making that play up ice so consistently, which I believe that he can do at the NHL level, and he's playing less in his own zone as a result, the amount of chances you give up go down, the amount of goals you give up go down, what you create in the other end go up. And I think that's the player that people hope that he's going to become. He's certainly that at the AHL level. He's I I almost want to say too good for that league. He's one of the very best defensemen in that league right now. And the only thing left to find out about his career is if he can do that at the NHL level. And I think at this stage of his career, I mean, it's time to find out. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm 100% on board with you. And I mean, you know, it's interesting the way that you just broke that out because, I mean, I think those two scenarios of, um, of playing defense or being a defenseman in the National Hockey League I mean, you sort of just got to the core of what a lot of the analytic theory and like the, the what we're trying to gain from some of these measurements. Um, because as you're right, you know what they always say, the best defense is uh, 
playing offense in the other team's zone. And if you can do things that avoid the entire time back in your own net, I mean, that is by definition what you're trying to do when you're going out and trying to win a hockey game. Yeah, I mean, you can't win a game 0-0, right? You can't win a game by winning all of your box outs, making all of the checks and never doing anything in the other end. The other thing on this is that, you know, everybody has to defend sometime. Even if 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 Ville Hainala becomes one of the best possession driving uh, defensemen in the NHL and Winnipeg consistently outscores opposition when he's on the ice, he will have to play in the slot at some point. And that's a, a, something that he's going to need to convince. And now this is a human angle sort of thing. He's going to need to be able to convince his coaches he can win those battles often enough that when that late game defensive zone draw happens, you can trust him with that. Or, you know, in a playoff game when certain lanes close down and it becomes really about the dots or between the dots and everything like that, he can track and, and succeed in, in those games as well. And for me, again, because I go to the math of it, as long as Winnipeg creates more when he's on the ice than what they give up when he's on the ice, then he's helping the team win games. I just think that there is a line of thinking in hockey where if he doesn't look the part or you know weigh the right amount of pounds or what have you, I think guys like that can get underestimated. Murata Tesh of The Athletic is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. You mentioned your piece in The Athletic about the value of the contracts this year. I do want to get to that in just a second, but just finishing up last night's game, uh, what did you think overall the performance of the club? And is that a point gained or a point lost considering of... Uh, you know, the way they battled back to get it to OT and then the very disappointing early exit to the three-on-three. My goodness, yeah. I mean, it's an emotional roller coaster is what it is. <laughs> I It feels like a point lost because 2 nothing, and then chances to make a 3 nothing or better. I mean, that's an awfully good position to be in against the Washington Capitals. I cautioned after the first, or in the first intermission, though. I mean, somewhere on Twitter, I, I tweeted this. Like, other than Washington's late first period penalty, there was a change in the flow of play. And the Capitals were pushing in the last few minutes of that period. They have life. They're obviously a great team. They obviously have Alexander Ovechkin, the league's, I think, leader in goals and points right now. That's that's a dangerous recipe. So there was a chance of a comeback. Winnipeg, you know, let it slide. Washington made the adjustments. There was less space in the middle of the ice etc. Um, but I was resigned to the fact it was going to be a 3-2 loss before Pierre-Luc Dubois scored that goal. So from my perspective, I guess it feels like a point gained. I liked that goal a lot because I was questioning, why is Adam Lowry on the ice with the goalie pulled? And then he makes a beautiful pass. I, I was I was doing that thing that everybody does, the armchair coaching. I'm like, well, I wonder why Adam Lowry is. is should, should he need to get to the front of the net? Shouldn't Somebody like Cole Pervetti, all this sort of stuff. And then Lowry makes the play that tees it up. Um, and then overtime just felt so underwhelming, didn't it? Oh. To, to end that fast and on that sudden of a play. And I mean, my only takeaway is if Mark Scheifele is going to play help defense, he has to win. He has to win that puck. He has to stop that pass. And otherwise, he looks like he's puck watching, which I don't think he was. I've seen accusations of laziness on that. I think he made a read and thought that he could do, you know, make a productive defensive play. Now, I'm not in his head. I'm just guessing. But to me, it didn't look like, I mean, it's not like he was at the blue line. He was in the slot. He made a read. He tried to shift over. But it was just, you know, a, an idea a little bit too late, an execution not nearly good enough. And then all of a sudden, Tom Wilson's alone. I think if you just stick to the 1v1 coverage, that play goes on and then the puck goes the other way uh, and Winnipeg has it. Yeah, the uh, the replay wasn't kind. And if you, I mean, if you just take a snapshot of it, I mean, it just looks like, uh, you know, he and Kyle Connor, for that matter, had front row seats to the winning goal. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, 26 seconds in after the emotional boost of getting to OT uh, was a disappointing and underwhelming way to uh, to lose the game. But in the big picture, I think a very, very important and valuable point, um, because as I said, it's the regulation losses, the ones that really put you behind the eight ball. You can live with getting one out of it. And it'll be very interesting to see what the Jets do against Nashville, who have lost in the last two nights. They played a lot of hockey lately. Big, big game tomorrow. And, uh, of course, we'll get more clarity onto what that lineup will look like tomorrow when Mike McIntyre joins us from Nashville. Uh, Murat, I do want to talk about your latest piece in the in the Athletic. I mean, a very interesting read on so far through the action leading up until last night's game, what the Jets are getting for their dollar. Uh, it's a breakdown of the contracts of what they're actually getting and what the value of it is. If you could, just in layman's terms, uh, what sort of, what went into this and how do you calculate what a guy is really worth as opposed to what he's making? I mean, step one is to acknowledge that everything you do is an estimate and that, you know, this isn't, this is, this is an attempt at rocket science, but it's not rocket science. Uh, step two is to really look under the hood of those catch-all, all-in-one metrics. I mean, I guess I could have done this with war-based things, uh, wins above replacement. But what I went to was Domus Chishin's model called Game Score. And what Game Score is is it's one person's attempt to use to create an all-in stat that shows the quality of a player, whether right now this season or you can look at multiple seasons of it. It weighs traditional things like points, like, you know, you could just look at the points list and say a guy's having a good season, but it, it makes a few tweaks. There's more value for primary points, so goals and first assists, because we know math has shown that second assists are a little bit more random. First assists, not as much. I mean, that seems to imply a lot of quality. It looks at things like penalty differential. You know, a guy that draws a lot of penalties and doesn't take any, it helps you win. It looks at things like flow of play metrics, expected goals, and it sort of creates this catch-all statement that says, this is the quality of this player's results so far this season. Um, and I like it because there's some predictive value in it. Not um, There's some predictive value in it. It's, it's a well-rounded descriptor of quality and of the results that have happened. And you can use it, and you can use the salaries that players make to estimate a market value for each player. If this player has produced this quality of game score, you can plot it pretty well. And Dom, Dom's done this to show, you know, how much should Mark Shifley be paid based on the 35 games that he's played so far this season? How much should Kyle Connor be paid? And we kind of looked at it, acknowledging that, you know, we're doing estimates. This is math. This is not, you know, this is not, um, you know, our eyes may have arguments and all that sort of stuff like that. And I went player by player, skater by skater, every player's salary, and then every player's game score and what market value that player sh should have based on, on how well he's played so far through 34 games. And the whole point is to figure out where is Winnipeg getting bang for their dollar? Where are they not getting bang for their buck? Who's you know wasted money or dead money on the on the salary cap, and who's really quite efficient at helping drive the Jets have success? Well, and, and folks, go to the Athletic. I mean, we won't break down every number in it. They're really interesting read. Um, you won't be surprised to see Kyle Connor and uh, Pierre Luc Dubois at the top of the list, and you know a couple of the players that are earning their uh, earning their money and then some. And you know Nikolai Ehlers, Andrew Kopp exceeding what the Jets are paying him right now. Paul Stastny. Interesting to see Mark Shifley, we've always said, is on one of the best value contracts in the league at 6.12, coming with a number about $2 million less than that. And uh, as far as the forwards go, 
a little bit scary when we've talked a lot about the depth of this club and uh, Lowry and Harkins and Tony Natto and Veselainen. I mean, all of those players right down near the bottom of that list when it comes to uh, bang for the buck right now, Marat. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of players helping, but only a few of them just crushing their contract right now. And Kyle Connor, for example, is scoring so well. He's creating so many chances for himself and for his teammates that whatever defensive foibles that there are to his game, and you can look at the breakdown of game score and see, okay, well, his defensive score isn't really that high. He's playing so well. He's scoring so much. That doesn't matter. He's playing. He's having a really excellent season. Mark Scheifele used to always be in that same boat. He would just create so much that the fact that he had defensive issues wasn't an issue. He would. He was a value contract. This season, not as much. And it's kind of what we talked about earlier. The guy, maybe snake bit here, maybe not dominating there. He hasn't had the kind of season that he typically does offensively to cover up some of that defense as well. Um, the other found money that we got to talk about is Evgeny Svechnikov. You know, a PTO, training cap walk-on, sign him after camp just for cap reasons, and they're getting such value out of him, whereas players like Shifley, Wheeler, et cetera, not, not necessarily as much. Um, and it's just, it's fun to dig into that, see, you know, who Maurice used more, who Lowry uses more, who they're getting a lot of value from. And the defense is an interesting picture as well. I won't get, I won't deep dive that just given the time right now, but, um, Winnipeg has so many veterans signed to long-term and some of them are really delivering and and some of them aren't uh, so far this year. And and it's really interesting Mm -hmm. to see which ones those are. Well, I can tell you, there's not a lot of uh, cap savings on the blue line, shall we say. And we knew that this was a big area of need. And Jets, uh, you know, went and added some players that have significant contracts. Uh, but I think there's certainly room to, for improvement on pretty much everyone that's playing on the Jet blue liner. Uh, although, <laughs> I did have to laugh at the uh, market value of the Nate Bouldio contract at negative $3.6 million. <laughs> Oh, uh, maybe we won't get on that. The numbers, they they tell you some uh, some interesting things. But, uh, hey, Dylan Sandberg was in the lineup. Nate Beaulieu wasn't. And uh, uh, there's no there's no value in there for what a guy means to the room, I guess. That's all That's all I'll say on that. Um, <laughs> Marat, hey, before we go, uh, what did you think of the, uh, you know, it was very timely. And I know a lot of people are um, putting your piece up from a couple weeks ago when you talked about the challenges of, doing your job right now in the world of zoom in the pandemic what did you think of the little tete-a-tete between uh, leon dreisaitl and uh, jim matheson out in edmonton yesterday i mean get out the popcorn i had fun with that one um i i watched it several times my i mean my hot take is that clearly leon dreisaitl and jim matheson have had some contentious issues earlier on in the season. There's no way this came out of nowhere. There, there's a tension to that conversation from the beginning. My other th- thing is I believe that that clip that has gone around the internet is only a portion of the press conference, and there's questions and, and a discussion um, you know, in another context before. At the same time, like, my goodness, to have a player you know, tell, tell a reporter, well, yeah, you, I don't feel like expanding on that. You know everything. You just write what you write. I mean, that comes from a place of, that comes from somewhere. Leon Dreisaitl was clearly upset in some fashion beyond the frustration of losing. I think that that speaks to some history of some kind. Jim Matheson, you know, sticking to his guns and probably feeling a little bit hurt and called out in that moment, accusing him of being pissy, which is just such a hilarious word to me. (laughs) Like... I, I don't I don't know how frequently or unfrequently Jim Matheson uses the word pissy. I don't I don't know where, but there's something about it that just screams my emotions are hurt right now, and that's the word that comes to to mind. And now you have the exchange. 
it's the sort of thing that, man, if there were just one on one in a room, I'm sure they could sort out in a minute. But, you know, uh, you know, in in that context, uh, it was kind of it was a fireworks exchange. And, you know, I think it speaks to uh, it speaks to something that we don't see maybe perhaps behind. And, and that's just me speculating. It gave the few people that are still actually doing sports radio every day in this city lots to talk about and certainly some great sound bites for uh, for um, for Sports Center. And, you know, it brings me back to, you know, what happened with Connor Hellebuck and Scott Billick a few weeks ago. And, you know, I kind of said, you know, on the program that day that, you know, a big part of it is the fact that, you know, these guys aren't able to own a piece, talk to people outside of the of the of the, the purveyor of everybody else. And we remember how that went originally. Scott wrote a bit of an apology piece. And I, you know, I thought Halibuck handed himself very professionally. And then lo and behold, the next time Scott asked a question, the first thing Connor Hellebuck said was, hey, you know what? I appreciated doing that. I accept your apology. I respect you for doing that. Thank you very much on. And and that's the sort of thing that I think would routinely happen outside of the public for being able to see it. But I was happy to see the way Scott handled that and Connor Hellebuck had that. And I think if anything, what happened yesterday just speaks to how miserable things are in Edmonton, Alberta for anybody connected with the Oilers right now, Murat. Whether you're in that dressing room, whether you've been covering the team for 40 years or whether you've been a long-suffering fan that can't believe the way this season has gone again. Again. <laughs> I mean, I, I I have so many things to say about the Edmonton Oilers. You might know that I wrote about them for a few years, right? I mean, that's where a lot of the analytics learning and things like that came from in 2002 eight or whatever year it was That's a whole right in the thing. middle of the decade of darkness absolutely and and i mean one of the reasons is because they make so many decisions that seem to have no plot to them whatsoever and i mean whether that's duncan keith or whether that's you remember when connor mcdavid was injured as a rookie uh, it was brandon manning the philadelphia flyers defenseman and it was not the cleanest play that you ever saw and then edmonton traded for brandon manning and put him on the same team as Connor McDavid a few years later. And this is like a number six, number seven defenseman. It wasn't long until he was out of the NHL. I'm like, what possesses a team? There's a, I don't know. I don't know if that's desperation or what, but I mean, I, I wouldn't feel too confident and comfortable if I were in Edmonton every day either right now, let's just say. No doubt about it. Uh, really looking forward to the game tomorrow. And then of course a, uh, you know, big couple of matinees on the weekend. More games next week. We're sort of back to a regular schedule with lots to consume, talk, and write about. Uh, what do you have cooking coming up in the athletic over the course of the next few days? Well, I'm in the middle of a piece right now. We'll see how fast I get it finished. That basically tries to tie Cole Perfetti's goal last night and the way that it was scored into, you know, the entire season's worth of Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, storyline and goals. I, I think that it was... It's not every day that a, a rookie scores a, a first National Hockey League goal that that was that beautiful. And it's not every day that that goal can be a microcosm of a team's entire season either. And I'm going to try to convince you about those things as well. Um, we'll have something special about Blake Wheeler when he returns to the lineup as well. And uh, and then other than that, I just got to keep the suspense going, I guess. Well, I'll tell you what, looking forward to Wheeler's return to the lineup and definitely looking forward to those pieces in The Athletic. Thanks for doing this. Uh, go get your full cool down. Maybe grab a protein <laughs> shake and uh, we'll talk to you next week, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Right on. Thanks, Oz. Thanks for proving to the world I've exercised. Once. Hey, it's January. We'll see what this is still going on. <laughs> in February. Yeah, there's Marat. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter at WPG Marat. And of course, subscribe and check out all of his great work 
in the athletic and the athletic.com. All right. We are going to hear from Winnipeg Jets captain Blake Wheeler in just a moment. Uh, before we do that, a big shout out to our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Yeah, you know what? Right back in the deep freeze, folks. Uh, and in the Winnipeg winter, if you don't have a battery that is good to go, you will not be good to go. Uh, make sure you're charged up and ready for winter with a freshly cranked up or brand new battery from our friends at Manitoba Battery, locally owned. Donnie and the gang down there doing a great job taking care of the entire city in southern Manitoba. And of course, they've got the lowest prices on batteries in town, $89.50 with Core Exchange, uh, as well as if you're not able to get down there to see them at 1026 Logan Avenue, they can get it to you. Give them a call. Let them know what you need. 204-783-8787. Or find out more online at manitobabattery.com where there's much more than just automotive batteries. All this snow we're getting. I know many of you want to get those sleds out. Make sure your sled battery is ready to go. All makes and models serviced by Manitoba Battery, usually in and around $65 to $75 for most makes of sleds. Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue, and online at manitobabattery.com. Uh, our friends at Royal Sports are uh, ready for NFL Divisional Playoff Weekend. We'll talk to Matt Verderam about that a little bit later on, whether you're uh, down with the Bills Mafia, the Chiefs Kingdom, Brady and the Bucks, the Cheeseheads in Green Bay. They've got a great selection of NFL merchandise there, along with Winnipeg Jets, or Winnipeg Blue Bombers, excuse me, Grey Cup Championship merchandise and the biggest selection of Jets merchandise in town with thousands of items, including some really cool reverse retro old Winnipeg Jet jerseys uh, names like Timu Solani, Dale Howarchuk and Anders Hedberg just came in this week. So pop down at Royal Sports. Of course, if you need anything when it comes to hockey, they are the hockey superstore in Winnipeg for over 35 years. And a lot of real cool stuff over on the Kings skate, snow, and surf side. So make sure to check that out as well. When you join them down at Royal Sports 750 Pemina Highway and uh, on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina, give them a follow for all the latest merchandise drops and great deals. And uh, hey, we're now into 2022. If you're thinking about a new car for the new year, make sure you start your search over at Not Auto Corp. Trevor Knott and the gang are ready for you at Waverly and McGilvery. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team? Um, Teslas, SUVs, trucks, and more on the lot. And if they don't have exactly what you're looking for, they'll source it out and help you get it here to Winnipeg and get you driving off the lot in it. Find out more in person at Waverly and McGilvery or check them out online at not.ca. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Great Jets conversation with our good friend Murat Atash coming out of last night's 4-3 OT loss in Washington. Covered a lot of ground with him, but uh, remember what we've said for a number of days. Uh, what I'm really looking forward to is hearing from Blake Wheeler for the first time. Uh, of course, um, you know his return coming after Paul Maurice's sudden departure from the club just a week after he was um, injured against the Vancouver Canucks in early December. Yeah, Wheeler got hurt. We never really heard from him since. And, you know, I thought maybe he would come out after um, Paul Maurice resigned, but obviously it wasn't, wasn't the right time. And here we are on the road, Mike McIntyre there asking the questions and uh, the Jets video crew as well. So he went, you know, he's been skating hard, went from the yellow jersey on Monday to the regular jersey yesterday, but still seemingly a um, couple days away. Again, I... I thought it was going to be a long-term injury and he's going to miss a lot of games. 
thankfully for him, a lot of the games got postponed that he was going to play in. Or sorry, that he was supposed to miss. So he actually only missed a couple. So I think it worked great for him. Maybe it won't work out as well for Nikolai Ehlers, who got injured during the heavy part of the schedule. Well, yeah, fingers, fingers, cross our fingers for that one. But uh, yeah, always he's still a captain. I want to hear he hasn't been playing, but I want to hear what he has to uh, has to say here. So uh, very curious. Uh, are we are we good with it? Uh, is it ready to go? Oh, I'm loaded up here. This isn't like one of those times where you call for it and I'm not, not ready. <laughs> All right. Well, we've been waiting <laughs> for it for a while. So uh, finally, here, here are the uh, first comments from Winnipeg Jet Captain Blake Wheeler, who's getting closer to returning to the lineup. He spoke today after a practice and a whole bunch of extra work after practice as he gets ready to uh, rejoin the Winnipeg Jets. But first comment since the departure of Paul Maurice last month. Here's Jets Captain Blake Wheeler. Um, just watching you out there on the ice here, uh, you look like you're pushing yourself really, really hard. Uh, how's the body feeling? And are you uh, confident that you can be good to go as early as tomorrow night? Yeah, I, f- I feel uh, I feel really good. Um, you know, it was uh, n- not exactly sure on the timeline. I mean, there's certain things. Uh, you know, boxes that I need to check off before I can get into a game, um, you know, getting into a full practice, uh, taking some contact. So I uh, was hoping to get that in today. Um, so tomorrow's probably unlikely, but, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully sooner than later. Um, we'll just, we'll just see how uh, these practices continue to go and, and how, uh, you know, how I respond. Go back to Mike McIntyre. Go ahead, Mike. Like just to take you back to that, particular week one of those weeks i guess that's going to probably stand out for a lot of reasons you had the emotional high of your 1000th game and then obviously the injury a few days later in vancouver can you just maybe take us through the highs and lows of of what that was like uh there's was was starting to get some excitement back in the game you know just having people in the crowd and uh you know things are starting to feel kind of normal again. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, obviously with, you know, the nature of, uh, you know, the virus going around and not being able to play home games and getting hurt uh, feels like last year all over again. But, um, you know, it was, I, I've been so lucky over my, the course of my career, you know, with uh, the, you know, clean, clean bill of health for the most part. And, um you know, I, I guess I just, I just look up, look back on that as more just, you know, I just feel lucky that I've gone, you know, this long without anything super serious. And, um, even that particular injury, uh, you know, initially I thought it was going to be one of those, I was going to be, you know, uh, much, much more severe than it ended up being. So, uh, once again, just count my blessings for sure. Go next to Paul Friesen from the sun. Go ahead, Paul. Thanks, Gregor. Hey, Blake, the month plus since you've been out has been such an odd month, too, with so many games postponed and another wave of COVID. I'm just wondering how all that's affected the way you've handled mentally the most lengthy injury of your career. It's, once again, uh, you know, it's it's been very odd. Uh, you know, I kind of had a, a, a big chunk of games earmarked that I was going to be out for, and... Um, I think it's been seven. So uh, it's 
I guess the timing for it was good uh, in that sense, but um, it's been, you know, it's been an odd month for sure for the team, just tons of practicing, not a whole lot of game action. Um, you know, I, as much as I hate, you know, having to watch games, it's, it's uh, something to look forward to in the day when you're rehabbing and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, I definitely felt for the guys, you know, you know, watching, watching from afar and just seeing kind of the practice schedule every day. I'm sure that's, you know, kind of gets old. So um it, it wasn't uh, – it was probably a lot harder on the guys than it was on, on me just because I, I knew I, I, I had nothing to contribute at the time. Go back to Paul Friesen. Go ahead, Paul. And just that there was a coaching change, of course, while he wrote too, uh, Paul stepping down. Uh, can you take us through your emotions that day and, and since? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, very disappointed um, in in how it, you know – what happened and uh very you know shocking um so it was a tough tough time i think for the whole team i think we were kind of like you know we were stunned for a while and um you know typically when you have a coaching change it's it's for reasons that you know like the guys are the guys end up being excited about it it kind of kickstarts the team a little bit there's a little jump in everyone's step i think this one kind of took us a couple days to uh, to process. Um, but I, it's, it's one of those things, you know, uh, life goes on and, and you have to, you have to adjust and, um, you know, adjust on the fly. And I, I think the guys have done a great job of, of, of grasping that and, um, you know, moving forward. Go next to Ken Weed from sports. Thanks Gregor. Afternoon, Blake, uh, just going back to the play in question. I mean, what's going through your mind when you, when you get tangled up and, and go to the ice, especially in a game where, you know, your line had, had been playing so well. Um, yeah, I, I saw it coming. It was one of those things where I wasn't surprised. Like I was, I was going for a loose puck in front of our net. I saw bodies coming at me fast and I just couldn't get out of the way fast enough. So, um, knew, knew, uh, knew, knew it wasn't going to be good. And, um, like I said, uh, not not the first guy that's had uh, had an injury like that, and I, like I said, I'm just feel lucky that it wasn't worse than it was. Go back to Ken. We go ahead. Here. Well, what's been the biggest challenge with the with the rehabilitation process, and and what are some of those other boxes that you need to check as you get ready to return to action? Um, it, it's been you know right right away it was it was uh, it was frustrating, um, just you know with the way uh, our team was starting to play. And I think, you know, myself, uh, Mark and Kyle were, you know, we're, we're really starting to play some of our best hockey and um, was, was really looking forward to kind of building off of that, but such as life in the NHL, you know, it's, um, it is uh, part of the part of pro sports and um, some that I haven't had to deal with yet, but um, just try to, you know, use it as an opportunity to, to, to get stronger in other areas, you know, while I couldn't, uh, you know, be on the one leg as much and, and just try to, you know, keep, uh, keep that into perspective that, you know, I've had a pretty good run of, 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 of good health and just, you know, using this as an opportunity, like I said, to, to try to improve some areas. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to have to take some, some contact uh, in practice before getting into a game, you know, haven't had much bumping yet uh, with, you know, the, the this, this past week. So, until that happens, uh, you know, it's it's tough to just go right into a game when, when you haven't been, you know, necessarily hit in, in five weeks. Well, next to Kelly Moore from 680 CJOB. 
Thanks, Gregor. Uh, welcome back, Blake. Uh, just you mentioned, you know, your line was starting to play well. And individually, um, if you were if you weren't unstoppable that night, you were extremely hard to handle. How encouraging is it that you know you can play that way again whenever you do get back in the lineup and then back uh, to full capacity? Yeah, I, I felt I felt uh, I felt really good about my game for a while. Uh, obviously. You know the goose egg in the goal department was uh, was a a point of uh, reference um, it, with for good reason. You know it's part of my job is to to chip in. You know in the goal department. So um, there's gonna you know I've had stretches like that before in my career. Maybe not quite that long, but something that once again uh, happens to everyone. You just deal with it um, and use it. Uh, you know that adversity to get better. But as far as my game, you know I thought for for you know. A month plus, you know, it was it was right where right where I liked it. You know, it was I, I felt good about where I was at, and um, just excited about continuing to build on it and and build within our team. And uh, I thought we had a lot of guys, you know, playing well, and we still have a lot of guys playing well. And um, so now it's just about fitting back into the the lineup whenever that happens, and you know, trying to maximize whichever role I'm I'm put in. Go next to Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Sean. Hey Blake, uh, I'm sure you've had a lot of time to sit and think about stuff when you've been out of a lineup. Uh, you've talked about what Paul has meant to your career in the past, but now that you know his time as your head coach is over, can you give me an idea of what you think he, you know, did to young Blake Wheeler, you know, a couple of years ago, and what he's meant for you since? Yeah, he's you know Paul's just he's a. He's an honest man. He's a good man. Um, a guy that everyone that's ever played for him, you know, you, you just respect him because uh, the way he carries himself, the way he carries himself in the room, how he treats guys. Um, I think that was, for me, the biggest thing that stood out. You know, uh, I, I didn't feel like I was just a pawn on the chessboard. I felt like, you know, I was cared about. And um, obviously, you know, our relationship, behind closed doors was, you know, we, uh, we bounced a lot of things off each other and, and, and talked, uh, you know, a little bit just about the game and about everything else too. So, um, pretty rare in pro, pro sports to come across a guy like that. Uh, I've found and, um, you know, uh, he's somebody that I'll forever be grateful for, you know, my time with him and, um, just look back on it with a lot of great memories. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't uh, accomplish, you know, the ultimate goals that we had set for, for our team together. But, um, I mean, from the time Paul came in until today, uh, I think we can all agree the Winnipeg Jets are quite a bit different than uh, eight years ago. So that's a testament to Paul Maurice and, and his leadership. And uh, final question to Sean Reynolds. Go ahead, Sean. Um, so we know that, you've lost a lot in, in losing Paul. What do you gain in Dave Lowry moving in as a head coach from your opinion? Uh, experience, you know, he's uh, been around the league a long time, you know, a guy that's played a thousand or a thousand games in the NHL, um, you know, been, been behind multiple benches um, experience. Uh, I think the way he played the game too, can be an asset for our team. Um, you know, he was uh, a, a guy, um, you know, played the game the right way, played hard. Um, so all the little things that I think we're trying to instill in our team um, 
to to take us to that next level or things that you know he brought to the table as a player so that experience in and of itself i think is is, is real valuable for our group thanks very much Blake. All right. Uh, well, this that was, uh, you know, sometimes we won't go that long with player availability, but uh, lots from the captain, Blake Wheeler, there uh, talking about his recovery, getting back into the lineup. And uh, of course, we knew there'd be a number of questions as to his reaction over the uh, um, departure of Paul Maurice just one week after he was injured. Uh, thanks to the Jets for getting that up in a timely fashion so we could have it for you all here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily today. Uh, hey, uh, cheers to uh, our friends over at Little Brown Jug, our uh, great beer sponsor, and uh, five years here in Winnipeg, cranking out Winnipeg and Manitoba's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. Popeye and see him on William Avenue. You can grab the 1919, the special anniversary Brute IPA, or all the great tastes in the winter variety pack. And for the month of January... Little Brown Jug is featuring free home delivery. So uh, if you're spending some time at home but miss your favorite local beer, hit them up on the littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, order what you're looking for and what you need, and they'll have it come over ice cold and not ready for you to enjoy, courtesy of uh, the Little Brown Jug delivery team. Little Brown Jug online at littlebrownjug.ca and uh, downtown in the exchange over on William Avenue. Um, we had a great curling chat with Ted Wyman yesterday. Of course, still waiting to hear officially what's happening with the Scotties. Supposed to start on the 28th of January out in Thunder Bay. Carrie Anerson you know, looking to defend her Canadian championship. And uh, the Young Guns, the, uh, the the McKenzie rink, looking forward to uh, seeing if they can uh, get back on top of the on top of the podium after doing it as juniors. Um, of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of Curling in Manitoba and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Uh, national headquarters here, family owned here and based out of Winnipeg, two local locations. And of course, you can shop online 24-7-365 at Princess Auto auto.com and uh you know quieter night tonight in the national hockey league but we're right back at it tomorrow on thursday with the jets and nashville predators at seven o'clock great night to pop into your local boston pizza for the game enjoy those gourmet pizzas boston wings ice cold schooners and if you are staying home call your local bp or go online to bostonpizza.com check out their game day deals and you can also order online and get the great taste of boston pizza delivered hot and ready to your home all right, uh, great stuff with Captain Blake Wheeler. We do have some NFL chat. Matt Verderam from Fansided is going to join us in just a couple minutes uh, to discuss the upcoming weekend in the National Football League. Uh, but Remo, before we do that, we've got some clarity on the rescheduled games for the month of February. Yes, shout out to the Winnipeg Jets putting out this handy graphic of a schedule. And shout out to all, all you guys in chat. I saw Tracy... Uh, Russ, I think Tracy was first. Uh, shout out to her, Russ, letting us know in chat that this is out there so I can go because you know I'm not exactly monitoring Twitter uh, while we're doing the show. But uh, here it is. Three, two, one. Rescheduled games. The rescheduled seen- games. So uh, the Jets had, what, six home games to take care of, and they also had three games on the road. Um, the All-Star game is on Saturday, the 5th of February. 
The team will get back together shortly after that and will host the Minnesota Wild on February 8th. That is the game if you had tickets for December 27th. That will be the date. We're still, the good thing is there'll be a week from whatever health orders are if there is a change for them to figure out, you know, who's going to be able to go. As we mentioned, next two games, only going to be 250 people in the building. Hopefully that will change somewhat going into the month of February. Uh, But as far as the schedule goes, Uh, Then the game that was supposed to be on the road in Dallas on the uh, 22nd of December will be made up Friday, February 11th. The game that was supposed to be in Nashville on the 21st of December will be made up the following day, Saturday night, February 12th against the Nashville Predators. Next week, a very busy week for the Winnipeg Jets. Monday, February 14th, Valentine's Day will be the makeup game for December 29th against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Then Wednesday, February 16th, the game was supposed to be played against the Minnesota Wild on January 10th is rescheduled to Wednesday, Feb 16. And the first ever visit of the Seattle Kraken to Winnipeg, originally scheduled for January 8th, is now a 7 p.m. game on February 17th. And then an afternoon game on Saturday. Interesting time for that one. 3 p.m. Central. The Jets will be taken on the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, that game originally scheduled for January 19th. Now, the game that was supposed to take place in Calgary on the 31st of December on New Year's Eve is actually going to be a Monday game, 3 p.m. Central on February 21st. Not sure that's a holiday out in Alberta. Maybe that's their family day or something like that. But uh, anyways, 3 p.m. game on Monday, February 21st. uh, Interesting time. And then later on down the road, the 24th of March, Thursday, the Jets will be taken on the Ottawa Senators. That game originally scheduled for January 15th. So you can go to uh, the Jets website, go to the Jets Twitter. All those nine rescheduled dates are up ready and of course we'll wait for more guidance from the winnipeg jets if you are a season ticket holder as to how tickets will work for those games but each and every makeup game had an original date those games will be moved to those dates so if you had tickets for that game and were able to have fans in the building presumably those will be when you'll go but we'll clarify that for you tomorrow on our edition of winnipeg sports talk daily all right um we've Basically spent the last hour and 40 minutes talking Jets. Great stuff with Murata Tesh. Got a chance to hear from Blake Wheeler. Talked about last night's game. Uh, Let's step away from the Jets for a minute. Huge week in the National Football League. Uh, Four amazing games on the docket. Coming up on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, just before we went on the air, I got a chance to catch up with Matt Verderam of Fansided to uh, break down all the latest news from around the National Football League. What's up? Thanks so much for doing this. It's uh, great to catch up again. Hey, thanks for having me, Andrew. Appreciate it. Um, uh, what'd you think of Super Wild Card Weekend? Uh, I mean, I think as football fans, we all love the extra couple games. I'm not sure really whether the Steelers or Eagles belonged in the playoffs, but uh, what'd you think of uh, three days of playoff action to get things going? It was it was fun. I mean, it was a lot. I, I think it was a lot. I, I think, look, yeah, you're right. Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. I think, do we really need Pittsburgh and Philadelphia? But um, we got them. And Kansas City and Tampa Bay really got them. But ultimately, it was an interesting weekend. And Dallas and San Francisco was the best game. I mean, Cincinnati and, and Las Vegas was interesting. Um, yeah, I think for a while you felt like that game was going to be a blowout. You know, it seemed like Cincinnati early had them on the ropes and then it you know, came back into focus. You had the, the officiating that was bizarre in that game, to say the least. But you had some blowouts too. 
Uh, you know, the Rams went easy, as do the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bucks. So now we go into divisional weekend, which I, I have always felt is the best weekend of football uh, on the NFL calendar. Well, yeah, no complaints and uh, no disagreement here on that. You know, I believe it was Nick Wright who popped this out a couple days ago, and I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Are the Chiefs better off for having that little tune-up, warm-up game, if you will, against the Steelers going into uh, the weekend against the Bills than if they'd been sitting on the sidelines? And I guess the same thing goes for the Buccaneers. You know, it's funny. I, I heard Nick say that, and I like Nick. He's been on the podcast uh, before, and, and I thought he was crazy. But actually, the way it played out, I agree with it. Now, had they lost some guys to injury, it would have been a ridiculous uh, scenario. But they didn't. They come out of the game healthy. Yeah, I actually think in a weird way it kind of does help Kansas City because they did not play their best football the last two weeks. They were so good down the stretch, and then they lose to Cincinnati – they beat Denver, but it was it was really a game where they didn't look like themselves. Hill was in and out of the lineup with a heel injury. That Pittsburgh game, the last 40 minutes especially, they looked like them. They were just ripping up Pittsburgh secondary up and down the field. They have all the swagger in the world now. And so, look, I think for Buffalo, Buffalo is a great team. I think it's the best game of the weekend. But that is going to be a tall order going in there and beating them. They already did it in week five. Can they do it again? Can they do it twice in one season? It's hard. It's hard to do. Uh, and, and the Chiefs certainly have to feel very good about the way they're playing. Uh, speaking of the Bills, I, I mean, as someone that's, uh, you know, has been tormented by the Patriots dynasty for the better part of 20 years, even though I had them plus four and a half, there was something uh, wonderful about seeing them get plastered the way they did. But um, I, I mean, how stunned were you by that? I mean, that's Bill Belichick. That's a Bill Belichick defense. And uh, I, I mean, I don't know if you can get better than a touchdown every single time you touch the ball. No, it was incredible. I, I said a few times after the game, and I, I, I wrote about it as well. I thought that Bills game, I thought it was the best I'd ever seen a football team play. The Bills were perfect. They are perfect in everything they did. Allen had four completions, I think, the whole day. Averaged over 12 yards in attempt. They, they scored a touchdown at every drive they had, except for the last one where they knelt on it. It was, it was remarkable. And Belichick, look, I, I thought the Bills would win. But I thought it would be close because of Belichick. I figured, look, they'll do some things. They'll throw some wrinkles at them. They'll keep it close. They did not keep it close. That was as thorough a beating as a Belichick team has ever taken. And if you're the Bills, you got to feel incredibly confident now. You're going to Kansas City where, yes, you lost the AFC title game last year, but you also won there earlier this year, and you won convincingly. So uh, that's why I think it's the best game of the weekend. I really feel like those two teams are – Maybe the two best teams in football. I mean, I, I think Green Bay deserves to be in that mix as well. Tampa Bay is a defending champ. But Kansas City and Buffalo, nobody's playing better than those teams right now. Well, and of course, that'll be the main event on Sunday. And uh, we may as well just get right into that game right now. You mentioned week five. Um, uh, it was kind of funny. The Chiefs, for all the way they played down the stretch, um, lost all the remaining teams in, in the AFC right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, you know, with, of course, the Titans, the Bengals, and the Bills. What do you remember of the week five game, Matt? And uh, what can we take away from that as it pertains to uh, the rematch to go to the AFC championship game on the weekend? You know, I actually rewatched it on Monday night because I want to kind of re reestablish it in my head. I thought the biggest difference in the game was Buffalo just played with an intensity of a team that wanted revenge and the Chiefs played with an intensity like it was week five. And that's not the anyway for the Bills. The Bills, in fact, it's a compliment. They played great. They played hard. I thought the Chiefs didn't, they didn't rise up to the occasion. Um, the biggest difference probably on both sides, the Bills don't have Travis White, who's, of course, out with the torn ACL. That's a big deal. He traveled with Hill some in that game. Not all the time. Teron Johnson was on him plenty as well. 
Um, and the Chiefs, they were missing a lot of guys who now are there defensively. You know, they did not have Chris Jones in that game. They did not have Shaverius Ward, who's their best corner. They they did not have Melvin Ingram, who they then traded for about a month later. Um, you know, there were other guys in that game who were active but didn't play much. Uh, Willie Gay was coming off injury. Juan Thornhill was was kind of in the doghouse early in the year, which led to Dan Sorensen playing a ton. Sorensen famously in that game got torched multiple times down the field. I, I doubt you'll see him playing deep safety this game. It'll be Thornhill, who's a much better, agile, younger player. I, I think the big the big key in this game to me is can Allen run the way he's been running? If he can, and he ran by the way well that night. He had fifty nine yards and he had over sixty before he knelt down a few times. Can Allen take off with his legs? And do what he's been doing down the street. If he can, I think it's a very, very good game. If the Chiefs can keep him in the pocket, not that he can't win, and he's obviously got a great arm, but I think if you're the Chiefs and you keep him in that pocket and you force him to throw, I think the Chiefs feel like they can match up to some degree down the field. Um, I, I think that's the biggest key of the game for both sides. Do you think Spags changes um, his approach defensively? I mean, he has been, especially, I think back to the – Cincinnati game a couple of weeks ago. I mean, even with what Jamar Chase was doing, he was routinely out there in single coverage. Um, that's something that Buffalo's had a lot of success over the course of the year, and especially lately, certainly looking back to the weekend. Um, do you think there'll be a different defensive approach from Kansas City when it comes to what the Bills are bringing to the Arrowhead? I think they'll roll a little bit of coverage with, with zone and man, but I, the Chiefs play man. That's what they do. That's who they are. I have a feeling in this game they're going to be very physical. They are going to dare the officials to call penalties in this game. And I, look, John Hussey's the official. Nobody's called fewer penalties on pass interference than Hussey's crew. Uh, now, this is an all star crew. It's different from the regular season, right? There are different guys in there. So, how much does that hold the water? Tough to say. But I, I expect that the Chiefs will play a lot of press man. They will, they will challenge Allen to make tight window throws. Now, God knows he's got the arm strength to do it. But I think that's how they'll play. Now, they, they do mix in zone. They will do that. But at their core, the Chiefs are a man defense. That's how they want to play. I would expect that on third down, they will try to double digs, try to take him away on a third down play, uh, on any in-breaking routes. I think I, I think the Chiefs, a lot of what Chase did in that game, where he throws down the boundary, and he was incredible with it. You'll get a lot of single coverage on the boundary with Kansas City. On, on routes in, inside the numbers that break in, the Chiefs like to use their safeties to kind of create a double team. So I'm curious to see if the Bills will try to throw those go balls down the sideline as Cincinnati did, where Cincinnati had a lot of success doing that. Um, Dallas, when they played them earlier in the year, now they didn't have Cooper in that game. They had Lamb. They tried to throw down the field. The Chiefs were able to stifle them. I, I expect man coverage in the game with a little bit of zone mixed in. I don't think they'll blitz them a ton. I think they'll, they'll try to get home at four. They'll play some coverage and hope to get some stops that way. Uh, the other AFC game is the uh, game that'll kick things off on the weekend, and that is the uh, Bengals going to the Titans, the team that had the one seed. They're hoping to get Derrick Henry back. Um, the Bengals keep this thing going. We know Joe Burrow's a big-game quarterback and looked phenomenal last week, but uh, is their team good enough to beat Mike Vrabel's squad? They are. I, I like Tennessee in the game for a few reasons. Look, Tennessee's got more experience. They're, they're off a bye. You know, they're at home, and they've been disrespected all week. All, in fact, the last couple of weeks. Everybody acts like Tennessee is just some speed bump for a good team. The Titans have beaten a lot of good football teams this year. They beat the Colts twice. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Bills. They beat the Rams. They beat the Niners. And yet people just act like they're like they're nonsense. And maybe that's because they have some bad losses, too. They lost to the Jets. They lost to Houston. Um, 
if Henry can't be Derrick Henry, then I think it changes the equation of everything. Then all of a sudden, Tannehill's got to throw. Their line's not that good. But Cincinnati's line struggles. That's the one weak spot with, with them especially, is their offensive line's not good. Tennessee's got a good front. I think they'll get some pressure. I think it's a good game. I think it's tight. But I like Tennessee in a close game. Matt Verder, I'm a fan sided with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting ready for the divisional playoff weekend of the National Football League. Hey, just going back to last week, I mean, what, I, I, we joked all week about just the ability to bet against Mike McCarthy in the playoffs was exciting. Um, yes. And man, did he come through. I mean, poorly prepared, 14 penalties, the debacle at the end of the game. And then I think a real embarrassment and black mark for Dak Prescott, although to his credit sort of owned it afterwards. And I know yep. that's something you spoke about on. I mean, you can't be encouraging people to throw trash at the refs if you don't like a call. Um, what, what did you make of the end of Cowboys season? And uh, what does that do for Mike McCarthy going into this offseason? Well, I, I think, look, McCarthy apparently is going to be back. But at the same point, you know, it's one of those things where you sit down and say, you led the league in penalties all year. Then you come out and you take 14 penalties in a playoff game at home. And he's, he's blaming the officiating afterwards. Well, you know, you know, went against us. You took half a dozen pre-snap penalties. Anyone with eyes could call those. I mean, that has nothing to do. That's not a judgment call. You can't get lined up. You run a fake punt, and then afterwards take a delay game because your punt team's still out on the field. I've never seen that happen ever. I've never seen that happen in a preseason game. <laughs> and then afterwards, as you mentioned, Dak is saying, hey, look, you know, the fans are basically a right to throw garbage at the officials. And yes, you walked it back. It's a horrible look. It's a bad move. It's classless. And look. You would not see, and I, and I think it speaks to the culture in Dallas, you would not see that happen in New England. Say whatever you want about Belichick, that would never happen, ever, in a million years. That would never happen with Mike Tomlin. That would never happen with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. You know, these other, that would, to be fair, that wouldn't happen with Sean McVay. You would never see that. And yet after the game, they're blaming everybody but themselves. You lost the game because you got down 23-7 to with a quarterback who's got a shoulder and a thumb injury. You are at home. You can't do anything in the game. The Cowboys, I don't expect them to change much because they're the Cowboys. I expect them to come back next year, probably win that division again because it's terrible, go back into the playoffs, play a team that's well-coached, and lose to them because they, they just cannot figure it out. They cannot get the right culture in that building. And by the way, to be very blunt, starts at the top, all the way at the top. Doesn't just start with Mike McCarthy. Yeah, well, and uh, we know that Jerry is the uh, judge, jury, and executioner of all things Cowboys down there in Dallas. Right. I, what were your takeaways from the Niners? I was so impressed with the way they finished the season, that comeback against the Rams to get into the playoffs. Thought they'd be a very tough out and would very potentially beat Dallas. But I'll tell you what, I mean, I think coming out of that game, you had to feel a little bit leery the way Jimmy G and the Niners basically opened the door wide open to get the Cowboys back in a game that they frankly had no business being in. Well, that's just it with Garoppolo. You always, you always have to almost bake in that one throw a game where you're like, oh, what? why? What is he doing? Like, What is he looking at? And Shanahan had a couple moments in that game where you're like, well, that's why you've had your moments in the Super Bowl that weren't exactly positive. Like, just bizarre decisions. But I got to say, you know, look, they're beat up, and the Packers should win, but that's a weird matchup if you're Green Bay. Like, the Niners can pound the ball, and they're more than happy to do it. And what is the one thing with the Packers that they struggle with? They cannot stop people from running the ball. I look at that Christmas Day game against Cleveland. Cleveland, Makefield threw four picks. He was awful. 
The Browns should have won that game because they just ran the ball at them all afternoon. Can the Niners do the same thing and avoid the turnovers? Now, Warner, can he play? Bosa, can he play? I mean, they're going to need all hands on deck. They're going to need those guys. But if they're there and they're them, I think they're real, they're real live dogs in the game. I, I think the Niners can hang in there. The question just becomes for me, is it about health? And then with Garoppolo, can he avoid the big mistake? Or does he just have one or two throws to get away from him? And, you know, against the Packers, that's probably ball game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I got to say, um, that's the first time I've ever picked all the wild card games right, ever. I, I, and I only bring that up because it'll probably never happen again. <laughs> but I could never even do it when I, they had four games. So I, I, I think this weekend, I like all the favorites in these games. I really do. I, but I will say, any of the underdogs could win, and I wouldn't be surprised. Well, and speaking of those underdogs, I'll ask you about the Rams because, I mean, yep. they've got some momentum. They look phenomenal against an Arizona team that, um, you know, didn't seem to be prepared, didn't seem ready for prime time, and it was a mismatch and a laugher in the second half. They're going to Tampa. Um, what do you make of the Rams on the road? Uh, and how different is this Tampa Bay team going into next weekend than the one we saw for the majority of the season? And, of course, winning the Super Bowl last year. I'll tell you what, the offensive weapons certainly are quite different. 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 And, and I worry about, <clears throat> excuse me, I worry about the Buccaneers in that regard. Well, Tristan Wirfs, is he going to be healthy? I don't know. He's, last we heard, he's in a walking boot. Ryan Jensen, is he going to be healthy? No, against the Rams, that's a real problem with Floyd and Donald and Miller and all everybody else coming up, up front, right? I mean, that's, that's a big issue. You worry about, can, can Ramsey shut down Evans and basically force them to go to all these other B-level receivers and, and to Gronk? Uh, can they run against the Rams? Who, I, who might be able to win up front. Look, I can't, and I'm, I'm going to write my picks out today for tomorrow morning at Fanside. I cannot, in my head, rectify that I think Stafford's going to be Brady in a playoff game in his building. I just can't <laughs> do it. But the matchups lean toward the Rams in a lot of ways. They really do. Like, the, the Bucks have struggled all year to cover. Who's covering Cup and who's covering Beckham in this game? The, the one concern, though, I do have for the Rams, I think it's a very real one and a serious one. If they can get pressure on Stafford, and Bowles is all about pressure, does he just throw a couple of up-for-grabs picks? That has been his M.O. his whole career, that he will throw picks. You can get him to make a mistake. If he doesn't make a mistake in this game, I actually I think the Rams will beat him. But I don't know that he'll avoid those mistakes. I also think it does matter. They played Monday night. They're out on the West Coast. They got to come all the way across the country on a short week and play Tampa who's got the rest advantage by almost two full days. So I think it's a, to a toss-up of the game. But of all the underdogs this weekend, I think the Rams have the best shot. And then I'd say the Bills are like a 1B there. Uh, we're uh, in conversation talking NFL with Matt Verderam, a fan sided. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Matt Verderam. Hey, Matt, before we go, um, we saw Mike Mayock got a pink slip yesterday. There were already eight coaching uh, vacancies. Wouldn't be surprised if there's another after what happened with Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury's tenuous yes. title. When you look at the landscape of the National Football League, I won't get you to go through all of them, but uh, what are the best jobs out there coaching-wise? And uh, who, in your opinion, are the best candidates that are most in demand? You know, of all the jobs, it's weird. There's not a job that jumps out to me. Like, a lot of years you look at it and go, oh, those two jobs are the plum jobs, are the best jobs. I don't know that there's one that I really feel like the Raiders have a lot of talent in some regard, but you're going to an owner that I don't know that you're all that excited to work for. The Vikings, I think, have very strong ownership. They have a lot of talent. I like that job. I just wonder, are you happy about having cousins? Um, 
Jacksonville has Lawrence. And if you love Lawrence, then you should be happy. But they never win anything. And I don't know that you're overly excited to work for Trent Baalke. So there's a lot of pluses and minuses. I think Denver's an underrated job, but you got to find that quarterback. Um, as far as the candidates, there are some pretty good ones. I mean, look, Biennemi's been a guy who's out there forever, but it doesn't appear like he's going to be able to get a job. Uh, Kellen Moore is a guy who a lot of people believe in and like. McDaniels is somebody who people like, but it seems as though he's almost a head coach in waiting in New England, it feels like at this point. Um, I like Dable. I think Dable would be a really, really good uh, hire. Gannon out of Philly has gotten a lot of play, the D coordinator there. I don't, I don't totally get that. I don't feel like they were great defensively this year, but he seems to be a hot name. Um, and then, look, Flores is a guy who – I think any team would be lucky to have. I think Brian Flores did a, did a great job in Miami. So there's a lot of good candidates. There really are. There's also a quarter of the league looking for openings. So somebody's going to somebody's gonna fill that job quicker than others, and then other teams will be scrambling. Let me just ask you about the enemy uh, to expand a bit on that. I mean, now listen, he's been the OC of uh, you know the greatest show in the National Football League for the last few years. Uh, does he just not interview well? Do people not give him the credit he deserves because he's working under an offensive genius like Andy Reid? You know, I, I think it's a combination of, you know, he, he's a very strong personality. I have no idea if that means he doesn't interview well or not. In fact, if you watch his pressures, I have a hard time believing he doesn't interview well. He's exactly. A very charismatic guy. And I, I've only talked to him briefly in person a few times, just, you know, at different pressures and whatnot. I've always been really impressed by him. I do think there's something to the idea that, well, Reed just kind of runs out offense and, and, and how involved is he? But to me, that's nonsense. I mean, Doug Peterson was the OC there. He did okay in Philly. <laughs> uh, Matt Nagy, I get it. People ran him out of Chicago, and rightfully so. Like, it didn't work out. But Matt Nagy went to the playoffs two times with Mitch Trubisky. Like, it wasn't like he had John Elway in his prime there and was winning eight games. So, Reed's coaching tree, by the way, includes McDermott, who's coaching this weekend, uh, John Harbaugh, who's been a hell of a coach. Like, Andy Reed's coaching tree has been a, a damn good tree. So, I don't get it. I think the enemy should have had a job years ago. I think he's been wrongfully passed over. I think he'd be a hell of a hire. Um, but it hasn't worked out. And this year, I've only heard that Denver had interest in interviewing him. I haven't even seen anybody else raise interest. Yeah, it is, uh, it is a bit of a head-scratcher. Well, of course, the enemy is going to be working on Sunday at that late Bills game just on the way out. Matt, when you look at the matchup between the Chiefs and Bills, is there one aspect of the game that you think will be pivotal into determining who uh, is still standing when we get down to the Final Four? There's Allen Rush for more than 50 yards. If he does, I think they're going to win the game. If he doesn't, I think Kansas City can handle the weaponry of Buffalo. Buffalo's got a great player in Diggs, but Beasley's not been the same player he was a year ago. Um, I think the Chiefs can match up with the rest of their receivers. Allen's got to create some chaos with his legs in this game. If he can't do it and he's got to sit back in that pocket, I think it's a problem. The other thing is, without Tredavious White, can the Bills slow the Chiefs down in this game? You know, Mahomes, he's almost irrepressible. Like, at some point, it's coming. He's going to make two or three throws. You just go, nothing you can do. You know, I, there's no coverage for it. If, if the Bills can get Allen on the run, on the move, make some plays with his legs, I think they can get this game to where they, they can win. If they can't, then I think it becomes more of a game that Kansas City looks at and goes, all right, we might have the better pass rushers. We may have a little bit of a stronger line. We can win uh, by, by winning up front and letting Mahomes just do his thing and making magic three, four times. So I think it's the best game of the weekend. I think either team can win. 
I like Kansas City close. If the game was in Buffalo, I'd probably go the other way. Um, but it's going to be a great game. And I think whoever wins is going to be the odds-on favorite in the AFC title game. No, oh, I cannot wait for it. Um, Matt, I know you and the gang over at Fansided are uh, busy this week. Thanks so much for the time. What do you guys have cooking up over at Fansided that people can check out? Uh, a lot. Uh, we got our picks going out Thursday. We'll have wall-to-wall coverage of all the games over the weekend. Monday morning, my Sack in the Box column comes up. It covers the whole league. Uh, and, and then we'll have the Sack in the Box podcast, which is Tuesday morning at 11 o'clock Central Time. It's on YouTube. You can check it out. Just subscribe to the channel. If you if you can't watch it live, no problem. Uh, you can just subscribe on iTunes and just hear it as you would any other podcast. Great stuff. Matt, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Enjoy what should be an amazing weekend in the NFL. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right, great stuff. Getting ready for what should be an awesome weekend for NFL fans. The uh, final eight, the divisional playoffs. What a weekend we have coming up with two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Big thanks to Matt Verderam for popping by. <clears throat> For a visit today on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, uh, our friends at Nick and Nikki are cranking through the winter with all sorts of options for you to keep your uh, ice cream fix there as well as some amazing, amazing treats, including the ultimate grill burger, french fries. Their honey barbecue chicken fingers have always been a personal favorite. Now they have introduced the buffalo chicken fingers. Check them out at your next trip to any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. The DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, both with drive throughs DQ Polo Park, and of course, DQ St. Anne's now open year-round, and you can order from the DQ St. Anne's on Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats. And if you uh, have the need for one of the world-famous DQ ice cream cakes, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Let them know what you want. They'll get it done up custom for you, available for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. Uh, a big shout-out to our friends at Canadian Club, our official whiskey and spirit here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Of course, Canadian Club's been with us throughout the year and, of course, are also the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So you can pick up the great taste of Canadian Club when we're back at the stadium this year cheering on the back-to-back Grey Cup champs. In the meantime, you can get the great taste of Canadian Club at fine restaurants and bars throughout the city and, of course, at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and Bomber fans. Next time you're in a Liquor Mart, you might still be able to grab one of those limited edition 2021 commemorative Jim Beam glasses celebrating the Bomber's 2021 championship. Oh, those are available in limited numbers along with the purchase of Jim Beam at local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, we're going to get to the cool bet lines coming up. Uh, but before we finish up, Remo, some funny things happening on social media with Brad Marchand, who actually has kind of surprisingly turned into, um, I will say, a, a, a must-follow uh, and a guy that, you know, as sharp as he is on the ice with some of his chirps, um, he's bringing them to the rest of the world, too. And now he's going at it with the Carolina Hurricanes, albeit after being embarrassed on home ice by those Canes last night, 7-1, as Carolina dropped a smackdown on the Boston Bruins at the TD Garden. Yeah, so this is the story on that one. Uh, Vincent Trocek of Carolina was, at, you know, I guess his, asked if his game was similar to Brad Marchand's, and his response was, are you calling me a rat? Which is a <laughs> funny response. Although, I mean, it's a kind of a comment. Brad Marchand's a great player. So what happened was Brad Marchand went on Instagram and posted, let me bring it up real quick. He posted uh, his hockey DB and Vincent Trocek's hockey DB pages 
and said that is like comparing a what Lamborghini to a Prius. <laughs> and let me pull out. Uh, let me let me pull it up. Hold on, hold on. Sorry, I should have had this ready, but uh, I do not. That's okay. So he posted that, and then um, last night after the game, Carolina posted on Twitter. They said L stands for Lamborghini, saying that Boston <laughs> got the big L. Uh, funny. Okay, Brad Marchand pipes back. You're the reason we pay 20% in escrow. <laughs> Mic drop, Brad Marchand on the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, incredible burn. Uh, well done, Brad Marchand. Getting mad at those teams that just can't generate the revenue. Uh, what? So they each get their equal share. So... Uh, well done, Brad Marchand, becoming uh, everyone's favorite tweeter. I mean, I don't think I follow him. No, I, I do. I follow him. He's a brat, true, but he's a hell of a hockey player, and he's an entertaining follow. And I'm here for all of this back and forth between Marchand and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, all right, let's get to the cool bet lines for today. Uh, and in the National Hockey League, we only have three games. It was a busy night last night. Uh, wow, heavyweight tilt. The Arizona Coyotes. Going up against the New Jersey Devils. The Devils not going to be a minus 196 home favorite very often. But of course, when you're hosting one of the worst teams in the league, you'll get that love. Uh, Arizona plus 166 if you think they can uh, maybe pull out a win. A great matchup between the Rangers and the Leafs. The Leafs are the road favorite at minus 143. Rangers still like right up near the top of the East. Not getting any respect. Plus 121 home underdogs against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then the Avalanche, no surprise, heavy favorite, minus 270 on the road against the Anaheim Ducks. We, of course, have Troy Terry, who was one of the uh, write-in votes, along with Nazem Kadri, who made the All-Star game. Uh, big selection of men's and women's Aussie Open selections to bet. If you go to the golf for the FedEx, uh, our guy P. Greggy has a special to make the cut boosted odds parlay for the uh, for the Amex so you can check that out all the tournaments are both Amex starts in uh, I think down in Palm Springs tomorrow in the PGA tour and a, a star-studded lineup playing over in Abu Dhabi on the European tour including Colin Morikawa and Rory McIlroy so if you want to get any action on the golf for the weekend go do that before they tee off tomorrow and updated lines for the National Football League let's see if we've had any movement uh, not really Bengals still Three and a half point underdogs against the Tennessee Titans. The Niners still laying six or a six point underdog. Packers laying six points at home in the Saturday night game. Buccaneers Rams staying at three points. The Bucks, although Bucks even money at three. So a little bit of love right now and some momentum for the Rams. And then the Bills Chiefs game staying at two and a half. Kansas City a two and a half point favorite against the Buffalo Bills. That game. 5.30 p.m. Sunday afternoon at Arrowhead Stadium. If you haven't bet a cool bet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. Uh, Remo, what's going on for tonight? Are you going to take in any of these games, a little streaming? Um, uh, I know Kabilis will be turning in. I kind of like it with these light slates on Wednesday. Obviously, we don't have any football on Wednesday. Actually, I've been watching more wrestling on Wednesday. It's sort of now, it used to be Monday night. Well, now it's sort of Wednesday nights, the, the wrestling, because they play AEW. What I've really liked afterwards on TSN2, they played some episodes of Dark Side of the Ring. And if those are on again tonight afterwards, I will be checking them in. I've really, really enjoyed that documentary series. 
Yeah, Dark Side of the Ring is very, uh, very good. So I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I don't think I'm going to be watching any of these games. I'm going to take a break after last night's big slate. I'll, be, I'll return tomorrow, but I guess maybe I'll, I'll tune in. I don't have any plans. Keep catching up on my, um, on my shows with my wife. I'm reliving the, uh, what uh, I, I mentioned last week. It's American Crime Story Season 3 on uh, Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky. Uh, oh yeah it's it's pretty dress pretty good yeah pretty good so far yeah they, it made an appearance for sure of course so, it did yeah a, a, atomic cog atomic kong love vimelka on DraftKings tonight man it was so funny when vimelka did what he did to the Leafs last week everyone was mentioning that uh you know they had never heard of this guy i mean literally our exact response from a month earlier when he had the step 46 safe shutout here in winnipeg obviously that didn't make it out east um but they got vimelka and uh, who knows maybe the new jersey devils will get vimelka tonight nice tip from awesome kong hey remote last thing to do before we go we want to give a big shout out to our uh friend sean fitzgerald of the athletic who, uh, you know, hit us up and, uh, you know, included a little sports, a Winnipeg sports talk update on a, a really interesting piece at The Athletic right now and a little bit of a where are they now of so many of the Bell Media members that were uh, were whacked last early February um, in the aftermath of a certain day that, uh, well, they, they put a lot into before they all those government subsidies came in just in time to fire everybody. Yeah, really nice. Uh, Sean's done a great job talking with me. I mean, I gave him such such a golden quote. I gave him the best quote. I don't know why he wouldn't go to me again. Just kidding. Uh, he asked, you got uh, took a turn uh, here. And so he did. Where are they now? What are people up to? Who's in this article? Dan O'Toole, Natasha. Oh, there's Rick Ralph. Uh, an update from him. Uh, and who else? Rob Faye. You know, people, Brent Wallace. So, Up face started a pro wrestling organization, yeah. which is amazing. Speaking yeah. of wrestling. Exactly. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I appreciate Sean, including us. We were in the, one of the top 10, uh, sport Canadian sports media stories of 2021, we which were. I might have, might have to put on my bio, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So take, check out, uh, that article in the athletic, uh, if you don't subscribe, uh, I would recommend doing that just to read Murad, <laughs> but you also get every, everything else. Yeah, of course. Uh, next week, February 9th, the anniversary of uh, what was it, Black Tuesday here yeah. for all of us. I think two um, two weeks. I think that's like three three weeks away, actually. Uh, it's well, ninth, yeah, it's, fe it's, it's February 9th. February 9th, Sean, I can tell you. That Sean's is the a date. bit early. He's, he's do, a bit early here on this. I do remember that. Well, we're just getting ready it up. He, he just got it right up in, in time for Let's Talk Day. Um, People can't believe they're actually going through the motions of doing that again this year, considering what happened last year. But whatever, that's for their PR department to handle. Uh, anyways, thanks for Sean uh, to, to Sean for doing that. And we're already planning what should be a real fun. I think we're going to have a little bit of an old station reunion that week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll put out invites to all the guys who have come on at times throughout the year, but we'll pack them all in that week. Um, it'll be a special week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And then a month after that, our year one anniversary on the 8th of March after starting in earnest daily with programming here on our YouTube channel on March 8th of 2021. Thanks to so many of you that have been with us pretty much since the start, as well as everyone that has come here new. If you haven't already, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button and make sure you've hit the red subscribe button. And hey, by the way, Turd Ferguson, I'm not sure if you're still in here. I saw you here earlier before. Uh, thanks very much for that DM. That was a real, real nice note. 
passed it on to Remus as well. We really do appreciate it. Uh, hey, it's been a great show. We've gone a little long. Got to get this podcast up. Huge thanks to Murata Tesh for joining us. Uh, shout out to Matt Verderam, a fan sided. Uh, of course, the Jets media team for getting that Blake Wheeler audio for us so we can have that for you as well today. Appreciate that. Big game tomorrow in Nashville. We'll be all over it. Mike McIntyre is going to join us from Music City to tee it all up. Um, and then we'll have Kenny uh, join us on Friday to recap that game and uh, look ahead to a very, very busy weekend for the Winnipeg Jets. And it's not getting any less busy as we saw with those made up games. Jets are going to be playing five and seven and seven in 10 in the month of February. So if you haven't liked this last few weeks with uh, a lot of downtime, don't worry. That's not going to be the case in the month of February. Now we'll cross our fingers and hope that we might actually be able to get into some of these games in the downtown arena, depending on what happens with the virus and what the authorities have to say when um, presumably new health orders will come in for uh, on the 1st of February. Great stuff today. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Nick and Nicky DQ groups, CC Canadian club, whiskey, cool bet, Canada, Boston pizza, princess auto, little Brown jug, not auto corp, Royal sports, Manitoba battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health, and our friends downtown making the sweetest custom suits around at F Apparel. Game day tomorrow, folks. We'll be live at 1 p.m. getting you ready for the Jets and Nashville Predators. Uh, and we'll find out who's going to be playing. No Nikolai Ehlers. Didn't sound like Blake Wheeler is going to be able to go. But we'll find out uh, more from the morning skate. And we'll have it all for you tomorrow live at 1 o'clock on YouTube and in your podcast feed just after 3 p.m. Thanks, everyone. Stay warm. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.